podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Okay. Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Breakthrough! It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City! Hey guys, welcome to episode number 29 of the Anne Campbell Championship Show, only on Ace Podcast Nation. I am your host, Sai, and I'll be joined by ex-Premier League and Championship striker, Mr. Andy Campbell, in just a second. We are back live, not only YouTube, Facebook, and uh, we get involved in the live chat, guys. Say hello, send some questions for later on, and uh, you know, just let us know what, you, uh, what you're what you thinking about, what you think of what we're talking about, and all that good stuff. Uh, this coming Wednesday, New episode of the Danny Battered MMA show, which is absolutely ridiculous, jam-packed. We're speaking about uh, Fury versus Wilder, uh, UFC Auckland, which was incredible. Good, really good show, especially the main event. Uh, the Bellator show in Deb- Dublin, uh, Cody Davis's fight on BT and some other stuff. It's uh, absolute jam-packed and it's a must for uh, combat sports fans as uh, myself and former Cage Warriors champion Danny Batten break it all down. Uh, I really enjoy talking about uh, the Tyson Fury fight as well because we obviously normally we speak about MMA major- most of the time. So it was nice to speak a bit about boxing and whatnot. Uh, so this Friday, we have a new new series, uh, My Story, where we take different uh, football stars, cricket stars, film stars, whoever we can get, uh, take them through their upbringing, their career, and as they share memories and anecdotes from different aspects of their career. Episode one features former cricket, uh, former England fast bowler, uh, cricket legend in my book, uh, Mr. Chris Lewis, which was a really, really interesting show. He had uh, lots of stories to share, as you can imagine. Uh, we talked about his upbringing, him coming over to England from the Caribbean, uh, his career, uh, his stint in prison and then obviously his comeback and his time now where he's trying to help people who've maybe suffered with similar issues that he's had. Um, so yeah, a jam packed week on Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, we got the usual show, any other business, bit of a rant here and there, talking a bit of VAR, bit of this and a bit of that. All the championship games, Borough and Cardiff are not in the main featured games, which I'm very happy to say, because hmm. they were both crap. Awful. Uh, again. And, uh, yeah, with no further ado, let's meet the man himself, the man who just loves to put the ball in the onion bag, the fox in the box, Cardiff City legend, ex-Premier League striker, ex-Borough, speed demon, still the king of the Millennium Stadium. The goal collector and Davy Jones's favourite son, Mr. Andy Campbell. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Good evening, mate. Yeah, all right. Uh, two goals on Saturday side. Just, uh, just to add to the collection for the over forty. Was that? I thought you were playing like against your, yeah, against your kids or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sai, I've got just, um, just something, claiming something, them. Something I forgot to do last week, but I'm going to start off with it doing now. So, Johnny, just, be, just before you do, your, just before you do, just before you do, I just want to make a special mention. Uh, happy birthday to uh, owner, head honcho of Away Day Apparel. 
Alan Jones. Happy birthday, oh, my friend. Happy birthday, He's Al. a big, big sport of the channel and the show. Huge, and uh, I want to give him a special shout out because he, uh, he helps Al. us out a lot and he All supports best, mate, us yeah. and he yeah. sponsors us as well. So, yeah. Top fella. Top go, fella. Go right. Yes, indeed. So, Johnny Wish asked me to uh, ask you a question. So, um, so uh, ask you, so can you do the intro to the podcast like you used to do the Rad Arounds quiz um, intro for a free beer? Oh, fuck's sake. Um, well, you'll have to give me. You'll have to give me some time because um, like I, that was That's at, what I asked you at the start. So basically, for people who don't know, I um, in my in my local pub where we all used to drink, obviously because it was local. Um, I used to do the pub. I used to work there like, straight out of school, and uh, so basically, what I did is I used to do the pub quiz when the regular quiz guy left um, for free beer. Um, and it would start off, it would be really good. And then by the end of it, I'd be absolutely <laughs> tipsy. And uh, I was slurring my words and giving away the answers and the question and all sorts. It was a mess. It was not a good quiz. Um, but what I did is for the for the start of the quiz, I used to do a 90s wrestling intro. Um, and I used to reword it for all the, all the, the, uh, like all the different... Rad Rams. So I'll have to come up with that. Maybe I'll finish the show on it because that'll be embarrassing. And I'll accidentally <laughs> cut off the live, live feed just as I do it, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'd like to apologise in advance probably to Cardiff City as a football club because, um, as you know, something just really annoyed me just before we come on air. Uh, so I was really irritated and um, I feel like someone's going to feel the wrath when we uh, get into it. So let's get, get into any other business because we have got a, a bit to talk about outside the championship. Um, I'll let you go first and we'll build up to my rant. Um, so I'm going to start off, sorry, I want to start off with Barcelona and um, the um, rules for one club and the rules for another football club, i.e. that they obviously have lost a couple of centre-forwards and some very good players through injury. Um, so all of a sudden they were allowed to go and uh, buy a centre-forward um, from Legrands, and they bought uh, Martin Braithwaite, who's ex Middlesbrough. I watched him quite a lot of times um, for Middlesbrough. I thought his attitude was disgusting. I thought he, he, he his whole desire to play for to play for a football club was awful. But my, probably my point is just how unfair that rule is because I look at some other football clubs like Spurs, for example, in the Champions League, um, really struggling for players. Sons broke his arm. Harry Kane's out. So where does the where does this where does this end? Where, where's the where's the Where's the fairness for each football club? Because if one's allowed to do it, then for me, then someone else should be allowed to do it. And if it was a short-term loan, I could fully accept it and fully probably swallow it a little bit. Um, but surely, if you're a young lad at Barcelona and you're not getting an opportunity because they're able to go and sign a player outside the window, you must be really, really, really peeved off right now and thinking, am I ever going to get an opportunity now because we've got all these players in the squad? We've now got players injured and I still can't get in. They've now gone and bought somebody else who's not that good in my opinion. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're still stuck where you are in the youth team or in the reserves or whatever, under-23 team, under-21 team. And it's just, it must just be the, the, the most frustrating thing in the world because I've, it goes on to my next point about um, um, about being, if you're good enough, you're old enough. It's regardless of your age. If you're a 16-year-old and you're good enough, you play. It's, that, it's really simple. If you're 
23 and you're not very good, then you don't get your opportunity. It's about it's about having the ability for me. And if you're good enough and the manager has got every faith in you and the club's got every faith in you, then they're going to throw you in and they're going to put you in. I made my debut at 16 when I was at Middlesbrough because the manager thought I deserved an opportunity. And he kept me in um, for a good few games um, because of, obviously, ability. It wasn't a case of age. It wasn't a case of, yes, he brought me out a couple of times to probably protect, but never made a big thing of it. Where I've seen a lot of managers at the minute, or a couple of managers, who are now making a, a big thing about younger players and stating um, stating that inexperience, inexperience. How do you become experience? The only way you become experience is by gaining that experience by playing, by working, by doing the thing that you want to do. And people need to really give the head a shake sometimes and just accept that the only way to get experience is by doing the job that you're paid to do, or, or do the job that you want to do. And it just it's, it's just just. The, the, the biggest bugbear when I've seen comments like that over the weekend in interviews, it's just really annoyed me. Barca, uh, the Barca thing, I think, is kind of takes the mick a bit because, right, for instance, let's look at Tottenham. Harry Kane's out for the rest of the season or most of the season. Yeah. Same with Song. So yeah. they've got no strikers. They're relying on midfield players to play up front. Yeah. They also don't have a squad as big as Barcelona. They also don't have, they're not as big as Barcelona as a club. So, how come Barcelona can do it, but Tottenham can't? Or oh. how come Cardiff haven't got any number 10s outside of Lee Tomlin, which we're about to discuss? But so how come they can't go and buy a number 10? Yeah. Um, it's It's got to be the same. For, it's, like we said about the VAR in the FA Cup with the, the lower league grounds not having the VAR. But then if you're at a Premier League game, you get VAR. So that, that 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 can't be right in the same same tournament because how, it's not an even playing field. How do Real Madrid feel, Sai? How do Real Madrid feel in the same league? Because they're both going for the Holy Grail. They're both going for the uh, for the championship. So how do they feel right now about someone else getting a well an unfair advantage on on them to try and? Well, what if what if he goes and scores twenty five goals now between now and the end of the season, and Barcelona come back from behind and win the league? How is that? That's not fair. That's to Real Madrid and to the yeah. other teams. Yeah. It's not on at all. Um, yeah. And in going to the point you said about if they're old enough, if you're old enough, you're good enough. Um, completely agree. Um, look at uh, some of the young players in the championship who are playing. Jude Bellingham's of the world, 16, 17. Look yeah. at Mason Greenwood. Yeah. Scored, I think, 13 goals this year for Man United. Yeah. Um you know, Jude Bellingham's doing well. You've got the other boy, the boys up. There's a couple of Blackburn, there's a couple of Middlesbrough as well, the young boys yeah. who, you know, maybe if yeah. May had a bit more money, they probably wouldn't be getting a game. Yeah. But they should be because they're good enough. Mm. Um, you don't always have to buy, um, you know, buy to be better. Um, so I completely agree with you. Uh, I find Gaz says Barcelona corruption shocker. Um, well, yeah, this uh, I don't know if it's corruption, but it's certainly like it I does feel it's, sometimes it's, like Barca uh, get an unfair yeah. advantage over other teams. <laughs> but then, say si, you've got the other you've got the other side of the coin where um, the side that Braithwaite leaves. You know what I mean? Where does that leave them? Because they lose their player, they're they're, they're planned their window, and then all yeah, of a sudden they can't buy they're, ba they're battling a relegation battle now, and they've lost their best centre forward. So. How on earth yeah. is the whole thing even close to being fair? It just doesn't. It just there must be. It must be the best deal in the world for for Legrandes. It must be an unbelievable deal for them because financially, it must be. It must be a a loan. It must be a, a, a 
a potential bigger deal in the future because of this deal, because nobody in the right mind would sell a player outside of the window and not be able to replace. It just doesn't make... Um, it's not a business decision, not a mathemat- not a mathematical mathematical genius to understand it's a poor, poor call. Yeah, indeed. Um, just a quick note, guys, before I, uh, we move on to the next subject. Um, the Andy Campbell Championship logo merchandise is now available. And uh, as I said last week, from last Monday for the next 30 days, uh, all my cut for all merchandise is going towards uh, the Ronda... Uh, flooding victims like a, a charity of some sort or a donation of some sort. It won't be a lot because I don't get a very big cut of the merchandise, but I do get a little bit. So the more that people buy to support the show for the next month, obviously will go to that. And um, yeah, the, the 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 new logo is now available on phone cases and mugs and baby grows, Andy, baby grows <laughs> and um, other such things. Uh, women's t-shirts, Sophie as well. Don't forget. Expect, expect. You know, matching. You, you three. You could have like matching ones. Three <laughs> His and hers. His and hers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and there's more designs to come. It's just I'm not very good at like Photoshop and stuff to make the designs. I got some ideas. I'm just not very good at it. Um, and someone asked last week. I think it was last week. It might have been the week before. I think it was Johnny actually asked if we were going to do some sort of t-shirt with the kind of the logo or the podcast or the channel with like an away day apparel type thing. Um, I had a quick chat with Alan about it. Um, it's a bit com- complex and complicated, but we are going to try and make something special, maybe to do like a like a giveaway. Um, if anyone can do it, Al can do it. Yeah, Sorry. he's a top man. Um, Ian David says he likes my Costa Cup. It's a bit disgraceful, really. I shouldn't have Costa Cup. There's also other coffee providers. Um I've got I one as well. Oh, matching Costa cups. Yeah, there we go. go. Not planned. Wasn't planned. Wasn't planned. No, no, it's not at all. I literally just <laughs> picked that up because I had to go to the shop. Um, okay, as requested by a uh, friend of the show, and I believe he's watching because he's already dropped a couple of F bombs in the chat as he always <laughs> does. Uh, Mr. Cockney Gaz. Um, David Moyes, West Ham. He was brought in to save West Ham, to keep them up. He is not doing a very good job. Uh, Much like Neil Harris, it feels like it was a money-orientated appointment because, to me, if you're bringing in a manager in the Premier League and the only only objective is to not get relegated, there's only one man you bring in, and that's Big Sam. Mm-hmm. You do not bring in David Moyes, whose last few jobs since he well since he left Everton, he did he did do all right at West Ham the first time around. He kept him up, but a bar in that one sort of half season, he's been dreadful. Yeah. He's been awful. Um, but Sai, you, you look and you Gaz, look, at the ta- I, look at the tactics he he did against Manchester City. Uh, yes, Manchester City game was always going to be a difficult it's a difficult game. It's always going to be a mountain to climb, but. From a neutral point of view, who wants to see somebody just trying to upset Man- Manchester City, just didn't happen. He 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 just sat off them. It was just like he's, he might as well not bother turning up. They might as well not bother turning up. His team selection, his tactics, the way that he set yeah. his side up, the way that he made his substitutions, it just cried cried out for me that he just didn't he just didn't care less about it. Where for me, you get a positive result there, then you can afford to lose a game. Where now he's put himself in a position where they can't afford to lose a game against rivals. They can't afford to lose. Uh, 
the next game, which they're playing obviously Liverpool um, this evening. And then obviously they've got Southampton at home, Arsenal away, uh, Wolves at home, Tottenham away, Chelsea at home, Newcastle. It's just, it, for me, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see how they're going to gain enough points over the next month, six weeks, to, to, to try and force their way out of it. Because you look at the league they're side. Liverpool tonight, I think. Liverpool, they? yeah. Where, yeah it's, just, it's just a... An awful situation for a for a, for a huge club, but define huge club when when the owners are picking a manager the way that they picked it, then they can only blame themselves. So it's the supporters I feel sorry for. You know, I, I've got a few West Ham fans, um, friends myself, and you know, Gaz is obviously a big friend of the show, and I just I feel sorry for everybody concerned with the club because you know what I mean it's 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 been handled really badly from from the top for years and years and years and. The worst thing that that football club ever did was move away from Upton Park because the, the the results that they got, the positive results they got, were were at Upton Park, and and it was always a a not very nice place to go as a player. Um, and you knew you you were in for a game, regardless if it was Man United going there, Arsenal going there, or Middlesbrough or Cardiff going there. It was always a really tough place to go, and I don't see that happening at, at the at the London Stadium. I just see I just see everyone enjoys going there to play because it's dead and open an open stadium. It's a nice facility, and people come away with. Positive results, left, right, and centre. It's not a, it's not a nasty place to go anymore. Yeah, and the thing is, mate, is when you play any football match, you should be trying to get anything you can out of it, whether that's yeah. a win or a draw or whatever. They against Man City, they didn't even try to win. They didn't even try and draw. No. They just it was given up. What sort of uh, message does that send to your players no. that you're not? You know, there's in no way you're trying to even get a point. Really, you're just no. trying to keep the score down before you've even started. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really piss poor. And I feel sorry for the fans because they pay a fortune for season tickets and to go to that stadium. None of them wanted to go to the stadium anyway. Yeah. And, you know, they're stuck with it. But it is what it is, I suppose. Mm. Um, guys, if you don't mind giving the video a share, uh, you know, tweet it out, put it out on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, Facebook, try and get uh, more people to join us. Help us grow, uh, and obviously, the more people comment and leave thumbs up and stuff, that helps our engagement, which helps us uh, get out to new people on on the socials. Um, okay, so what do we do next? Do I go for my Cardiff rant now? Do I? So Gaz yeah. says, "Oh, there you go." Gaz, Gaz says uh, he says something about West Ham. Let's see what Gaz is, what's Gaz saying because he goes. Uh, he says, uh, "Moyes versus Man City was embarrassing, like the stadium." Well, there Bang. you go. That's Bang a West Ham fan who goes. Yeah. Um, there we go. It's, it is what it is. I feel sorry for him. And not the only club I feel sorry for, by the way. Um, there's a few being mismanaged mm. around, uh, sadly. Um, and, you know, as usual, the FA and the Premier, uh, Premier League don't give two hoots as long as they're getting their money. They don't care about the fans. Um, yeah. Right. I'm not going to go for Cardiff yet. We'll finish the any other business on Cardiff today. Um, so... Uh, Manchester United midfield uh, six weeks ago was looking threadbare. Fred had not barely played. He had, uh, and when he had played, he'd looked like a Sunday league player. McTominay, who had been doing quite well, was injured. They had to bring Matic back in, who looked like he was going to leave. And they just looked, oh my God, what are they doing? They had Pereira and people and Mata starting, people who looked poor. Then all of a sudden, They've brought in Fernandez. Matic looks half decent again. Fred mm. has been excellent. McTominay came back on the weekend. Suddenly, you think, right, if you put 
because Fernandez has been real good. I've been very, yeah. very impressed with him. He's exactly yeah. what they needed. And yeah. I was looking at their, them, them going forward on Saturday, and I was thinking, God, if you put a, a real, like, sharp, inform, motivated Paul Pogba next to Fernandez with Fred McTominay or Matic behind, suddenly you've got a midfield which looks pretty tasty. So I thought, well, hang on. Does that does that do those four players and then Matic as a backup because of his age? Is that a good enough midfield to with when they're all on song to compete with the very best in the Premier League, with the very best in the in Europe? So I I, I compared uh, some of the midfields. Um, so you got who have we got? So you got Chelsea, um, whose you know midfield is. Pretty good. They got some good young players in there. Um, you've got Liverpool, obviously, top of the league. Is Fernandez, Pogba, and say, say Fred, for sake of argument, better than uh, I was going to say Darius Henderson? Then uh, Jordan Henderson, um, who else plays in midfield for Liverpool? I can't even think. Um, is that better if they're all? James Milner, yeah. And <laughs> I was trying to work out, you know, is it as good if they're all on form and motivated? Is it not as good? Is it the same? And I came to the conclusion that those four or five could be very good for Man United. And it's strange how things can change in football so very quickly. Mm. Um, what's your opinion? I know but it's likely, you know, don't get me wrong, it's likely Paul Park was going to go in the summer. But... If they can get three months, like two months out of him at the end of a season, at is playing like he can. I think for me, Sai, you can only for me. I'd probably judge it on on would I would I like to see that kind of team? Uh, would I like to play against my teams playing against that kind of midfield? And I, for me, they've got the players that you've named there from Man United. They dominate. They can just dominate games on their own individually and collectively. If they can all get playing at the same time and. Good players. I've always said, Side Cream always rises, and Fred hasn't pulled up any trees this season. But now he's playing with better players. Now they brought in Fernandez, um, and Matic has always been a steady away player. He's always probably a seven out of ten, eight out of ten. You know, you know, you know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? But defensively, you know what I mean. For me, sometimes he's probably legs have gone a little bit. You know what I mean? So McTominay has probably took over, but with the injuries that that they've happened at Old Trafford, um, certain things take over. But for me. This surely would encourage a Paul Pogba to probably stay put. You know what I mean? Like, regardless where he thinks and where he where he wants to go, um, where is he going to play? You know what I mean? Is he going to go to Real Madrid and play? You know what I mean? Is is he going to go to Paris Saint Germain back home to France and go and play week in week out? You know, and we we spoke about Paris Saint Germain last week. You know what I mean? We were on about players who've who who in the Premier League did okay, but then the, the flourished going elsewhere and going back to clubs. Do I see Paul Pogba? flourishing in another club, you know what I mean, in another country. Um, probably not, you know what I mean? There's no bigger club in the world than Man United on paper, you know what I mean? So, they're the biggest club around the world, but they need to implement and need to, they need to collectively start playing playing better and be harder to beat, you know, that um, it's obviously took them a long time to get a defensive um, partnership in there. You brought in Harry Maguire, um, obviously Rashford going forward, De Gea in goal, Pogba in midfield, Fernandez. You look at the spine of that team now. You know, what I mean, going forward, there, there could be um, 
they could be absolutely fantastic and, and, and could be starting to challenge four trophies again if they can just probably tweak a couple of things and probably stay injury-free. But, you know, I mean, first and foremost, that they need to resolve certain issues. And the issue for me is, is does he want to stay? Because if he doesn't want to stay, then there's only one way for him to go. But, him. but it's got to be right for the football club. The deal's got to be right because no player's bigger than the club. United paid, what, just under £100 million for, for him. So uh, when he gets... Um, when he does go, if he decides to go, then Man United deserve at least the money back because he's won the World Cup. You know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, why shouldn't they get as much as, much know, as they can? When am I? Uh, I'm going to get to Gaz's point there. I've left it up there just to remind me. But um, the interesting thing for me about Pogba is, is everyone knows how good he can be. Everyone knows how good he is on yeah. his day. But the players he was playing with, they were not good. Pereira, not good enough to play for a club no, the size no, no. of Man United. Jesse Lingard is a championship player. Yeah. I know that maybe some England fans who he's done quite well for England will maybe give me a bit of grief for that. Jesse Lingard is a top championship player for me. He is not a Premier League midfielder, let alone a top four midfielder yeah, no, who should be yeah. playing Champions League football. No way. Um, so, you know, what... What can you expect Paul Pogba to do with these players? And you could argue that at points he's done quite well with them. Now, if you put him in there with a Fernandez and then have a McTominay, a fit McTominay behind them, because McTominay looked very good at the start of the season when he yeah, was, yeah. you know, him and Fred were doing very well. Um, that could be very interesting because you've got then Maguire and uh, Lindelof. Then you've got the two fullbacks who are obviously doing quite well, and you've got the young boy playing fullback as well. Uh, Brandon Williams, who looks like he might sneak in the England squad, this is how good he's been. Um, and then obviously, you've got the likes of Martial and Rashford and Daniel James. That's a suddenly a very good start in a you know, first 11, strongest 11 could be very good. Um, yeah. So Gaz makes the point, why does Lampard get praised whilst uh, Solskjaer gets threats with the sack? Why, like, obviously the size of the clubs maybe and the pressure, but mm. they're both doing a rebuild. They're both blooding very young players in their squads. So why is one universally praised? Is it because he's English? Is it because, you know, they're both whole, like play uh, managing their, you know, they're, they're both legends at their, their clubs. clubs. Yeah. They're both, but they're both trying to do the, the things that they're both, you know, United fans, Chelsea fans have all been asking, you know, Chelsea fans have been asking for years, don't loan out all these youngsters, give some mm. of them a chance. Frank's doing it, he's get rightly getting yeah. praised. But with young players comes inconsistency. Yeah. It's exactly I, the same thing with United, but why is one praised and one not? I think, so. You, you've also got to look at money spent as well. You know what I mean? Frank hasn't spent hardly any no. money. At all, or if if he's if he spent any money at all uh, for Chelsea, um, you know. So obviously the rebuilding process has started. He's obviously cut his cloth accordingly. So you know what I mean. The money that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has brought in and the and the players he's brought in, but the results that Ole's done, he's he's been to Paris last year. He's knocked them out in the Champions League. So he deserves his credits for that. It's, he, he, he used the word that it was inconsistent, and I think. Chelsea, uh, I think I think Chelsea's individual players have been inconsistent, and that's probably affected results. And they've had a couple of people making individual errors and mistakes. But Man United's team has been inconsistent, and I think, uh, and probably a little bit boring. I think Man United have been Man United have been spoiled a little bit with with the attacking 
players they've had in the past with the gigs, with the Ronaldo's, with the Beckham's, with the Dwight York's, the Van Nistelrooy's, um, just to name a few. Um, whereas now when they're not scoring any goals, I can I can see why Man United fans are getting a little bit bored and a little bit tedious of, of what's going on because they've just they want their team just to go for go for games and expect them to go and win games and, and attack, attack, attack and uh, and the games, especially the games I've saw. Um, I don't see that. I see them. I see them setting up um, like every other championship, uh, like every other Premier League team does, and and sets up hard to beat. But that's not what Fergie used to do. That's not what you expect champions to do. And unfortunately, I think he's he's made a rod for his own back with his tactics, and 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 supporters don't really buy into that. And you know what I mean. And and, and I find it strange. Yeah. I, I, I watched um, the Europa League through the week, and I've watched quite a lot of it um, since since um, the league started. And and he hasn't played his best side yet in the whole competition. He's played kids throughout. He's made so many changes throughout, but they're still in there and they've still got an unbelievable chance of progressing through to what the last 16 or whatever. So if he can prioritise and he wants to do well in that cup and you know what I mean? Because what's going to save his job, Si? He's going to save his own job by winning something. And if you win the Europa League and that's got a Champions League place at the end of it or he gets the Champions League place by hook or by crook, if that's by Man City not getting one or if that's by earning one the way that they've the way they deserve by finishing in the top four, then then fantastic. That's the only way he's going to keep his job for me because Man United, they need success. And you've just said there about the midfield. And, you know what I mean? For me, the side they've got now and the side they put out on um, Sunday um, against Watford, they should be doing better. Yes, Sunday was excellent. The result was excellent. The performance was excellent. But they need to do it consistently, regular for the rest of the season and finish in that top four because anything else for me is, is just a failure. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's really interesting to see how they do. The other interesting aspect is if Man City's ban holds up, then fifth place gets a Champions League spot. Yeah, I know. Um, which obviously adds a, a whole new dy- dynamic to you know to everything. Um, yeah. Well, you've got the Sheffield United only... factor. You've got the Spurs factor. You've got you've got a, a, somebody making a late run up the league. The Wolves. You know, what I mean, I, I watched I watched uh, the highlight. The Wolves game yesterday. I thought they're excellent. Um, See, Dom knows his stuff there. He, he, was the best goal he's ever seen, by the way, wasn't it, Dom? Best goal is the best, one of the best volleys ever. Dom will tell you. Well, judging by that, maybe we should get uh, Dom on to be a pundit <laughs> instead of you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> replace, replace you. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's. Oh, Johnny makes a good point there, actually. Uh, just lastly on Solskjaer before we move on. He says, uh, OGS has managed the youngsters like James and Greenwood really well. He deserves credit for changing the formation as well. Uh, he's, they've looked good with three at the back. Uh, Shaw as a centre-back. That's interesting, actually, because, <clears throat> uh, you know, very rarely do United fans take to their manager changing the formation. Uh, they're very set in their ways in terms of the... F- terms of you know like the formation and the tactics they play they want to play a certain way um and john's johnny's right there is that um he did he has played uh three at the back a bit recently yeah. uh, and luke shaw wouldn't doesn't jump out at me as a center back initially because he's so used to seeing him play as a fullback yeah. but if you look at his build and his speed and his reading of the game he's actually probably ideal to play on the left side of the three Mm. Um, <laughs> but the way the, the way they play, Sai, you know what I mean? Because if and and I'll, I'll go back to my previous point there about Man United in the past that that they're probably supporters would be happy to see them play three at the back and having um, wingers going forward as as wing backs and just attack, attack, attack. Well, you look for at me, it's it's the it's the way forward for United to do it. Yeah, and 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 by doing that, 
Plainshaw on the left of the other two. Um, you get Brandon Williams in that side, which obviously United fans want. You get Juan Basaka and Brandon Williams, you know, as your wing backs with the three midfielders we mentioned, and then a, a, a duo up front of Rashford and Martial or yeah. Rashford and James or whoever it may be. And yeah. by the way, just lastly to say, Martial's goal on uh, Saturday. Oh, or Sunday. Beautiful, beautiful. Reminiscent of, reminiscent of me for Rider 5. That was unbelievable. <laughs> I did that many times. Um, so, yeah, we just got a few people telling us about Andy's goals from the weekend. That was, okay. our, goal, that was our goalkeeper, that. So, yeah, he, uh, he saw it from a different He angle. knows his stuff as well. Yeah, of so, um, okay, so normally I wouldn't, we wouldn't really talk about championship football. Uh, during any other business, this is our time to talk about football stories from around the globe and football, you know, just different places. Uh, but because Cardiff weren't selected uh, as one of the top three featured games, I obviously we're not going to spend that much time talking about them during the, the breakdown of all the different shows and stuff. Um, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to talk about uh, Lee Tomlin and Cardiff City's failure to prepare. So my point is, Lee Tomlin has held Cardiff City's team together for three, four months now uh, from an attacking point of view. Whenever he's not on the pitch, we look devoid of any attacking creativity or thought. We look poor. Um, now, my point, as I said, text you on the weekend, is at the start of the season, transfer windows open, summer, we've got money to spend, parachute payments ready to go. Big club like Cardiff, just come down from the Premier League. Neil Warnock in charge, ready for the big charge to get promotion. Lee Tomlin was third choice at best going into the season for that number 10 position or attacking midfielder position. We didn't sign anyone. First two months of the season, Lee Tomlin barely gets a kick. He was injured, He was, but he was also got himself in tremendous shape. Neil Warnock still didn't fancy him to start. Didn't sign anywhere and the window closed. No creativity. Eventually, Tomlin comes in because we had no creativity. We were losing and drawing. Lee Tomlin comes in. As soon as he, we say, we say, give him a chance because when he gets a run of games, he's one of the best number 10s in the championship. Mm. Lo and behold, he gets a chance. He gets a run of games. One of the best number 10s in the championship. He's been exceptional every time he's been fit and playing and starting. Now, January comes, we've been dependent on Lee Tomlin to be our creative force. Every time he's not on the pitch, we struggle. Jan a January window comes, we don't sign any number 10s. You know, we sign Uncle Albert, we sign a couple of other players. No number 10, no real, real creative uh, player with a bit of guile and a bit of just do something out of the ordinary who can like win you a game with a, with a back heel or a, just something special which Tomlin has done several times this year already. Mm. Now, Lee Tomlin's now injured, I think you said, six to eight weeks, yeah, which is pretty much, pretty much the end of the season, okay? Cardiff got no one to come in for him. And as shown on Saturday, they had nothing, nothing mm. in terms of creativity going forward. Mm. Now, you can't, you know, it's not Lee Tomlin's fault he's injured. It's not Lee Tomlin's fault that everyone is, the club is so dependent on him going forward. Cardiff City as a club, they've got you've got your chairman, you've got your chief exec, you've got the people who make the transfer decisions, you've got the managers, you've got the coaching staff, you've got the scouts. 
if we can see it, and we've been talking about it, this isn't something that like me and you have discussed over the last couple of days, and we thought, oh wow, oh, Lee Tomlin, we're probably a bit over reliant on him. Mm. We have been talking about this for months. So mm. if we're talking about it, why mm. on earth a Cardiff City? Why is no one been talking about it there? Because they don't want to spend any money. You look at the teams who've spent money. And you look at the teams who prepared properly, properly as a professional football club who've just come down from the Premier League with millions in the bank. West Brom prepared correctly. Fulham needed players. They addressed the positions they needed. They spent the money accordingly. Leeds needed players after not going up last year. Addressed it. Got those players in in the positions they needed. Brentford wanted to make a real effort of going up this year, so they spent a fortune yeah. because they needed to get a few players in if they wanted to push on, ready for their new stadium next year. Cardiff City are trying to do it on the cheap. And Richard Sullivan, evening, by the way, uh, says it's time. And it is time. Um, he's turned down two takeover bids recently. Uh, Mr. Tan has. Uh, you know, Everyone who knows me knows I'm not a fan. Um, however, my point being is he either wants to be at Cardiff and be the chairman and take the club forward, or he doesn't. He cannot half-ass it. The club cannot half-ass it. Either prepare properly, do your due diligence on your team and what you need, and then go and get it for the manager, or don't. Give it guess get a transfer team in or get a chief executive or get a chairman or sell the club to people who are going to run it properly. Because to me, it's negligence, not just in the summer, not just in the January, but all season long, it is negligence. And what makes it worse is we knew we were going down, what, May last year? Yeah. So you've got May, June, July, August, September. Four months, mm. five months to prepare, yeah. then the January window, and they still haven't addressed it. Mm. The problem I, I, I've got, Si, is that it's the link for me from the chairman down to the first team. You know what I mean? So where's that link? You know what I mean? Where's the link? Is it is, is the link the chief exec? You know what I mean? For me, I look at a manager, regardless how, how old and how experienced, but I think the more people you have pushing in the same direction, the better chance you've got to succeed where... If that's a director of football, if that's you know what I mean for me, that that's always a good link because it's a, it's it's someone who's close to the chairman, someone who, who can get and instead of a manager going to see the chairman and saying, listen, I need five million pounds because I need a centre forward straight away, you've got the chairman's back up. You as a manager, you're upsetting the chairman. You're then under pressure to go and win 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 a football match. Where somebody else does it on your behalf, i.e., a director of football, you, you're keeping the pressure off. The manager, and that's the most important thing. Which then the pressure is not put on the players. You know what I mean? The playing staff separate, and then the link between the two, the chairman and the and the, and the players and the management is is, is kept separate. And I, I think it's so important in nowadays football. You see that the successful football teams. You know what I mean? That when when do you ever see um, Manchester City and the link between the chairman and the the, the, the football manager? You don't. You've got. Uh, a director of football, you know what I mean, who's, who's doing it. And for me, it's it's the easiest way of helping to stabilise a football club and to have that link between the, the manager um, 
and an honour chairman. And I just think it's, I think a lot of teams are missing a trick, you know what I mean? Especially in the championship. Maybe it's a financial thing that they can't afford to pay somebody else. It's like paying two managers. Um, but if you're going to move forward and you want to push down, push in the right direction, you've got an ideal opportunity for me to do that. And, you know, I mean, the top sides, the leads of this world and um, the West Broms, you know what I mean? The Nottingham Forests, the, these should all be doing that now, putting things in place because the Premier League is a different animal. And if they don't get that help, that's why managers lose their jobs. You know what I mean? Look at Norwich, you know what I mean? And Villa, you know what I mean? The, the teams who were struggling, the teams who were going up, because they haven't got that help. They're just going up blind a little bit without that support mechanism in place to, to help clubs move forward again. Yeah. Um, Graham uh, just said there uh, that the club needs new owners to stabilise the club and put a bit of money in. Um, the problem is, is you are completely right. Uh, 100% right. I've been saying that for a while. Yeah. But they've Mr. Tan has got to sell the club for that to happen. Um, I got told by someone who I wouldn't think would make it up that one of the takeover bids, which was turned down, was from somewhere in the Middle East who wanted to pump a hell of a lot of cash in because they see it, you know, it's the capital of Wales. Mm -hmm. They've got a massive, you know, nice stadium, the big club, the potential's there to really push on. You know, and be where like a Wolves is now, um, playing European football and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Mr. Tan turned it down. You can't force him to sell. Um, I just say there's not, you know, there's not much you can do. Uh, do I want Cardiff City to be sold to someone from, for instance, Saudi Arabia? No, I do not. Um, that would make me a hypocrite if I said yes, considering what I said last week about, you know, the Man City owners. I, I'm not doesn't sit right with me on a, on a personal level. However, do I want owners to come in and chuck a load of cash into Cardiff, stabilise the club financially, and then actually spend these parachute payments on football players? Absolutely. Because Cardiff have the potential to really push on and do it. We will see, mate. Uh, we will see. Uh, guys, go on, Nant. Go on, you go, mate. No, I just, I just think, uh, just it's so frustrating, side because we want everyone's the same thing. You know what I mean? I, I can go back to my Middlesbrough um, connections, and, and and you know what I mean. That Steve Gibson's probably the best chairman for me in in, in British football. You know what I mean? Spot the way on. that the things that I've seen him do at that football club. But then you see people's comments at the minute, and they're frustrated with his, his managerial selection, and they now want him to sell the football club. Well. You've got to take a reality check, you know what I mean? And I look at Cardiff and, I, and I'll throw that back at people and say, the grass isn't always greener. And you sell your football club to the wrong person and all of a sudden you, you, the, the, the problems get deeper and deeper and deeper, you know what I mean? And, and that's, not, that's not Cardiff City, that's other football clubs. And for me, you just want to be careful what you wish for because, you know what I mean? It, yes, <clears throat> relegation happens, it's unfortunate, but sometimes the football club's got to take a step back before it takes three steps forward. And transition periods have to happen before any success becomes a, becomes apparent because let's say Middlesbrough had a worldly season this season got promoted they'd be relegated straight away from the Premier League because the the, the golfing class from the team that, that that's playing week in week out now and it could have a, a, a diverse effect on what's happening currently now so for me you've just got to take things as they are and and I've always said, Si, if Middlesbrough finish uh, just above the relegation, I'll be, I'll be over the moon. But I'd love the football club just to come out and say that. And it's the same as Cardiff. What's Cardiff's ambition? The football club come out and say we're aiming for the playoffs. If they're not wanting the playoffs this year, then just come out and say it. You know what I mean? But they don't want to come out and say it because it, it looks negative. And, and I, get the, I get the point of that. But 
But sometimes we want we just want we want everyone pushing in the same direction, and and I don't always feel as though that's the case because we don't always know what's going on in house, and you know what I mean. It's it's like, it's like the best kept secret in the world in football at the minute, where nobody knows anyone's ambitions or objectives. Everyone keeps keeps on about this holy grail of the playoffs. You know what I mean? Well. Some teams are stuck in 16th, 17th in the league and they're talking about playoffs. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen because of the gulf in class, the gulf in um, how far teams are behind and, 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 and the teams in and around who, who can't get in it at the minute, like Bristol City, like Blackburn Rovers. You know what I mean? So you've got to be realistic as well. Yeah. I um, Going back to my original point about Cardiff's negligence, failure to prepare for the season correctly, properly. <laughs> do you think that's me being harsh? Or do you think... That's a fair point. Ah, I think it's fair, me side because I, listen, we're all we're all we're all keen football supporters here. You know what I mean? We've been critical on the club, um, uh, their choice of manager. We've been critical on his tactics. We've been critical on him uh, and his similarities to the old manager. Um, but then we've also been positive as well and and, and apologised and eating our words a little bit. But at the same time. You know what I mean? But they keep on making the same mistakes. So it's it's for me, it's one step forward, one step back at the minute, or one step forward, two steps back. Because the results, what they got um, at Luton Town and against Huddersfield, fantastic, brilliant. Don't get me wrong. But then they go and draw against Wigan, then they go and lose against Stoke City. So you know what I mean? There's for me, it's 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 gone. We've gone back. We've gone backwards, like further than we were after the Luton Town game and after the Huddersfield game. Because the strides to move forward now are. Are bigger than the bigger than they need to be all season, you know. What I mean, then you've got the added extra of Swansea overtaking us, and Swansea seen it as a competition of Cardiff versus Swansea, which is not the case for me whatsoever. It's about getting as far up that table as I possibly can. And if that's um, if Cardiff finish sixth and Swansea finish fifth, I couldn't care less as long as Cardiff City are in the playoffs, you know what I mean. And that's just yeah. the, the be all and be all and end all. It's not it's not a competition between two sides. And if 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 if, if anyone thinks that's the case, it's it's massively untrue. But it's you know. We all need, and we all are pushing in the same direction. But I just think sometimes we just need a little, a little bit of honesty from certain people. Yeah, spot on, mate. Um, right, we're going to move on to the championship games. Uh, just a couple of plugs as usual. Just before we do that, um, all of our shows, uh, Ace Podcast Nation, are available in video at YouTube.com/slash Ace Podcast Nation. Uh, also, I do upload some to Facebook, but. It, I forget a lot of the time. This one obviously goes to Facebook because it's live. Um, you can get all our audio, uh, audio versions of all the shows uh, at the usual podcasting platforms and apps, radio apps like TuneIn Radio and iHeartRadio also. Um, we do podcasts on mental health, mental health and sport, uh, wrestling, mixed martial arts, boxing. Um, we've got a couple of series. Uh, Unscripted and Uncensored is one of our most popular series where – Basically, we get a guest and you guys send in questions and talking points and then me and the guest talk about it and it can go in all sorts of directions. We, um, I think when I spoke to Gavin Gwynn, we were talking about paedophile hunter groups and all these different, you know, different subjects, not necessarily in the guest's wheelhouse per se, which can, you know, makes for a lot of fun. Um, we also have a new series coming out Friday, which is My Story, which is where I take a guest through their career and just they share some memories, some anecdotes and stories. First episode is with former England fast bowler, Chris Lewis. And the second episode is with former Wales international and Cardiff City legend, Mr. Reese Weston. And um, I have to say, I think that's one of my best podcasts yet. It was a really, 
really interesting show. Um, Reese was excellent. I uh, can't speak highly enough of him. Um, obviously, we've also got shows like uh, the, I think we did four shows on the Sala tragedy, uh, where we spoke to the author of the book, The Killing of Emiliano Sala, Mr. Harry Harris, who's a respected journalist and author. Um, don't be put off by the title of that book. The the person who wrote it is absolute top-notch journalist um, who's exposed corruption and done various things over the years. He's also just written a book with on Jurgen Klopp. Uh, he did a load of autobiographies. I think one of them was Glenn Hoddle. Uh, we, so I did a three-part interview with him. Then me and Andy did a show discussing the book. And then we also, then I spoke to uh, Harry Harris again then about the latest developments, which is uh, all very, very interesting. Could be a bit angering when you start talking about Willie Mackay. Uh, but yeah. Um, and lastly, before we move on, uh, shout out to our sponsors. Today's show brought to you by Away Day Apparel. As you've seen on my chest and my flag behind, uh, you can visit Away Day Apparel at awaydayapparel.co.uk for the latest clothes and offers with some big things planned for 2020. Definitely worth following them on Twitter at Away Day Apparel and Instagram at Away Day underscore apparel um, because they've just launched their pre-orders for the, the Euro stuff, which they've got, and they've got some really good cracking stuff. And I've, like I mentioned before, I've seen some of their ideas for going forwards for other parts of clothing and different ideas for T-shirts and things like this. Excellent, excellent guy running it. And I can't speak highly enough for them. And I thank them for sponsoring the show and the, the channel. Uh, and especially for listeners, viewers of Ace Podcast Nation, we have a offer, 10% off all orders if you use the code AA Podcast Nation, all lowercase, at the checkout, and you get 10% off all your orders. Okay. That's all the plugs, and that's the plugs. That's the stuff. Now it's time for the good stuff. The best league in the world. And this week, we're not going to be talking about Cardiff or Borough in detail, uh, which is thankful. Thank I'm thankful for that. Uh, the people have voted. We uh, we let the people decide the three main games which feature each week. We put the polls up on a Saturday night on a, the Ace Podcast Nation Twitter page. So, guys, always vote for that. Um, first game up is uh, Birmingham versus Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, guys, just uh, another thing. If you can give the video a thumbs up, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, um, drop as many comments as you can. Uh, get involved because the more comments we get and the more thumbs up we get, the engagement's higher and it helps us grow and it helps us find people who, you know, who are not friends of friends on Facebook or Twitter and stuff. Helps us find new new viewers and helps us grow naturally. So, and Birmingham 3, Sheffield Wednesday 3. Sheffield Wednesday, by the way, have just gone off the uh, off a cliff yeah much like well, bristol uh, yeah well what a game though si. you know what i mean but oh it's unbelievable spoke, spoke about birmingham starting the season about uh, about how poor they were last year mm. but the manager is is he's built this young energetic side and and, and the signing for me well one of the signings of the january windows got to be scott hogan because he's making such a difference for um for birmingham city um and he's just showing how how good he is! That uh, Birmingham started really well. I thought they I thought they were, I thought they were excellent. They, they opened scoring from a corner, uh, which was awful defending. By the way, Jacob Murphy scored an own goal on loan from Newcastle United, and he just got things awfully wrong. Um, really, um, 
and then um, and then you your own worst enemy at times. You score, and then all of a sudden you sit back. And we've said this side about Cardiff City a lot this season that when they go and score, that go and get that second goal, go and get that third goal, and um, go and make things happen. Um, when you let Barry Barry Bannon um, dribble from what 20, 30, 40 yards out and carry on, carry on. What's he going to do? He's going to unleash a shot and twenty five yards out. It wasn't the greatest shot in the world, but. When it's on target and he's, and he's got a left foot like Barry Bannham has, it's gonna it's gonna end up in the back of the net, and you've only got yourself to blame for that. Um, and then Birmingham then started to play again, and um, I thought Jukovic was was unplayable at times, and and he's you know what I mean. I've been raving about him for probably a couple of months now that he he, he really has a massive impact on that younger side because he just takes all the pressure off and wins all the headers and and just battles away and probably gets uh, he's probably an unsung hero really. But I thought his goal was fantastic after some neat play with Hogan. Um, but then again, Birmingham shot themselves in the foot, pressed the self-destruct button and um, gave away a penalty. Um, and Forestieri put it in um, really well. And second half, I thought Wednesday were, were excellent. That they, they, they kept going. And this time, Murphy scored in the right end for a, a great shot across the goalkeeper. Um, and then they probably should have gone further ahead, Sheffield Wednesday, but they just couldn't get that fourth goal uh, before Scott Hogan scored an excellent equaliser in injury time. And it just shows how important centre-forwards are, si, who, who can score goals, who know where the back of the net is. Because um, you look at Birmingham City, they've got probably the two informed centre-forwards of Scott Hogan and Lukas Jukovic. And they both did what they needed to do on Saturday and got, got a goal each. And it just shows how, how much Birmingham's fortunes have changed. And they kept Jude Bellingham, which is... Giving them confidence, and Birmingham just look a different side that um, um, than Sheffield Wednesday. Look, Sheffield Wednesday look lack of confidence. They look shot to pieces. The managers looks lack lacking ideas. They've obviously the, the firepower going forward. They've just um, they're really struggling, really struggling. Yeah, um, I was going to say Johnny uh, was it Johnny? Uh, yeah, Johnny made an interesting point. Oh, Scott Hogan has he changed their season? Was he the missing piece? Um, because I really think that um, yeah. he's made a big difference to them. Yes. Uh, like you say, Jukovic, I think, from an experience point of view, was taking the pressure off those young lads. He was doing the battering ram role almost. But um, I think Scott Hogan has given them the finishers in you know that that instinctive finisher up front. Um, yeah, which but, is but, but good... Cy, but you also got that Villa link as well, where you know what I mean. But supporters have to really buy into this because. The manager's seen where he needed a player. He's seen a player's availability at Aston Villa. You know what I mean? The link between and the, the rivalry between Villa and Birmingham's huge. Of course it is. Um, but you've got to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is Scott Hogan's making a difference. So if he goes two or three games without scoring a goal, don't get on his back because he's ex-Villa. You know what I mean? Giving him an opportunity to go and play, go and flourish. You know what I mean? We said earlier on about um, in previous shows about how, how good he was at Brentford. And I'm, we're going back, what, a few years now that he got his move to Villa. Um, he's tried in the Premier League it hasn't worked out for him he's dropped back in the Championship it shows that he's comfortable in that division and he'll score goals in in a side who's playing mid-table so you know what I mean imagine if he was playing up front for Leeds United for example how many goals he would score so it's a, um, it's an interesting one that you know what I mean that they've got to keep faith with him and when he doesn't score that not to get on his back because he's a, a rival from a, of another club because he could sign for Birmingham in the summer easily and, and help them push forward to next season you just don't know yeah, it's Sheffield Wednesday have just gone off a cliff these last few months. They really yeah. looked like they were going to push on yeah. um, and they just gone off a cliff. Whereas Birmingham, we said all season, they've been playing really well, probably haven't got the results they maybe deserved at points, 
but it was we we kind of put it down to the younger players maybe just being a bit inconsistent because they're young and they're learning on the job and you know they're learning in first team football yeah. um and that's not just Jude Bellingham by the way you know Birmingham have got a couple of you know younger players not 16 17 but you know like 19 20 they're learning on the job um and I think they're doing an excellent job and I really do think if they can keep those players together you know sign and make a couple of interesting you know, sign-ins with um, experience or loan sign-ins, I think Birmingham could make a push for promotion next year because yeah. the young players are so good. If they can bring in some, you know, some clever sign-ins, I, they're not far off, you know, far off in terms of quality. Oh, things... It's, go on, Sai, carry on. I was just going to say, it's, it's obviously the squad size. I think they struggle with a bit. They haven't got a massive squad. Are you looking at another picture that could sell uh, Judy Bellingham for 15 million quid and they're going to reinvest all that money on... Five, six, five, yeah, six, yeah. seven They're really good players to push to, to push them forward. So, you know what I mean? I can't see him staying there for the next two or three seasons. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy he stayed there now. If there's a deal in place in the summer that he goes and signs somewhere, then so be it. But he, for me, and we both said it, he needs to play 50 games this season, which it looks like he probably will. I hope, fingers crossed, touch wood that he that he finishes the full uh, the full season uh, with injuries. But then he he does it. Um, he does it next season as well because he needs to play football. He has to play football. Yes, indeed he does. Um, well, we said, didn't we, uh, back in January that we thought if he was going to go to a, a United or whoever, the best thing for him to do was to stay here for maybe two years, have you know a good 150 games under his belt by the time he's 20. Have, you know, being 20, it'd be like Rashford, where like you're 20, but you're so experienced. That you can take that and really develop. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to point out, uh, Josh said, "Glory, glory, Man United." You missed the Man United talk. That was at the start. <laughs> one, of, one of my ex, one of my ex students was Josh. So ah, he's like, I see. Played in goal for me. We had a we had a good laugh in Holland. Holland trip was amazing, amazing, excellent. Amazing. Amsterdam memory. <laughs> taking, taking taking your students to Amsterdam. <laughs> what sort yeah. of teacher are you? Um, Okay, so yeah, Sheffield Wednesday moved up a place to twelfth. Um, yeah. Bur- uh, Birmingham fourteenth. Yeah, well, sorry, I just look. I'm happy Birmingham. Uh, a picture with. Where have I gone? Am I, am I there? No, you're the back now. Yeah, yeah, they're back. I'm happy that Birmingham are safe as well. Um, that makes me happy because those young players will continue to get a chance. Can't hear me now again. Can you? Yeah, I can Tell hear you again. Uh, go. You have to go out and back in again, mate. Sorry, keep Sorry, talking. Me. Yeah, I'm talking, man. So Andy's disappeared. Now you can all see my my windows right there. You'll probably see my dog in a minute. Noisy dog. Um. So guys, yeah. Thank you, Luke. Great. He says great podcast, fellas. Appreciate that, mate. Um. Obviously, while we just wait for Andy to come back in, best way for us to grow as a channel and as you know, as we keep growing this show, um, like over the week, about 3000 people download or view and this podcast um, in particular, but also, you know, the other shows we do get views as well, but this is our flagship show. This is the one, this is the one that gets the most views and downloads. Um, The best way for us to grow as a channel and as a a podcast is for you guys to share and, and tell your friends and, and get more and more people, you know, we enjoy the live shows because we can interact with people. And yeah. 
best way to do it is word of mouth. So anything you guys can do to help is spread the word, tell people, share the link when we're doing the live show, tell people, you know, say like, or jump on now, they're talking about Man United, they're talking about West Ham, they're talking about this game, that game, and then we can get people coming in, you know, as their team's talking about. We know it's a long one, but it's football talk. We're talking about all different things. We appreciate all of you, every single one of you, the people who pop in, and come back yeah. and they're backing in and out for the two hours. The people who stay for the full two hours, the people who are waiting before we even start. We appreciate all of you. You know, even the people who download it later in the week, the people who watch them later in the week. For the last three weeks, this show is done by the following Monday, over 3,000 either views or downloads. Um, and that's insane to me. That's just like, whew. yeah. Ian David says, share the love. Indeed. Spread the love, share the love, yeah. and tell your friends. I totally agree. Um, let's move on to the next game. Charlton Athletic having a bit of a revitalization. Uh 3-1 versus Luton, who were in good form. Yeah, we've said say, haven't we? It's inconsistent. I was so pleased on um at the weekend for Lee Boyer because he's had such a turbulent season. And um I was really worried for them because uh, Luton have been in decent form. They beat Sheffield Wednesday at Kenilworth Road. They went to Middlesbrough last weekend and, and beat Middlesbrough. So two clean chiefs on the bounce. So they're going into this game really, really confident. And I thought Charlton started started the brighter out of the two. And they should have scored. And it was Navi Sar hit the crossbar um, after a great touch um, just from around the penalty spot. Um, and I thought Luton really struggling from crosses. You know what I mean? After watching the Middlesbrough game, they really they defended really confidently and uh, and and, and they stood up to what Middlesbrough had, but. They really struggled for what what Charlton had going forward. That uh, Lyle Taylor, for me, run amok for the for the majority of the game. They couldn't handle his movement, his his touching in around the box, and and his his first goal was I thought was outstanding. He took the ball uh, quite cleverly inside the box and and just fired in from the edge of the box. And you know, I mean, Lee Boy, you gave him the captaincy side, which I thought was a really really clever move from the manager. And yeah, for a manager to do something like that, um, to see something like that in a player. Um, it can really re- revitalise a player and, you know what I mean, he struggled with his injuries. So this has just given him that little bit of a boost to um, to push forward. And I was really pleased for him because, you know I mean, he's had such a tough time with injury and injuries with his hamstring and stuff. And uh, and to get the, the first goal was excellent. Um, but then all of a sudden, Luton came back into the game and I thought it was poor defending by Charlton, uh, letting uh, Cornick uh, and he fired Luton level just before half-time. But, um, and then I, I fully expected Charlton to, to get in at half-time Lee to get right into them and have a right go at them and and and, and move from there, but it didn't materialise. And um, Luton, for me, were really lucky that they didn't go ahead because um, I look at um, I look at the the linesman's position for the for the offside goal. That you know, what I mean, you've got to be a million percent correct with these kind of decisions because um, obviously the Luton manager came out with the end and, and said how much of a finance decision that 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 that, that could be and. I felt really sorry for them because if it's offside, it's offside. But it's it's he was asking for VAR in the uh, in the championship, which would it would ruin this show because I wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about anything else, and it'd be so frustrating, so annoying. So I'm glad it's it's not happening, and hope it doesn't happen. But for for a decision like that, I, I did feel sorry for him because it could have been the difference between between them getting getting safe and and moving away from where they were. But it wasn't to be. It was stayed at one all, and um, and then. Charlton went down the other end and, and got a penalty from uh, Collins handball and Lyle Taylor's penalty technique is just absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. We spoke about it at the start of this world. 
And if anybody's not seen his technique, go on YouTube and just, just type in Lyle Taylor's penalty technique and you'll see how he walks up to the ball, takes a jump in the air and just calmly slots the goalkeeper the wrong way. If the goalkeeper goes the right way and the goalkeeper catches it and, and keeps it out, he probably looks absolutely stupid, but nobody's done it yet. So um, good luck to him. He's doing, he's, he had a fantastic game and, and to top it off, he held the ball up really well for the third goal and it was finished off by, by Lapsy at the far post. And, and for me, Lyle Taylor, Lyle, the Lyle Taylor show and credit to the manager for giving him the captaincy and, and, and giving him that responsibility to move forward because Lee Boy has been under pressure and will continue to be under pressure until they get out of it. But if he's, if he's given players responsibility and players are, are responding like he did and others did, then I think they'll be safe as houses come, uh, come, come the end of the season. Yeah, the, th- the interesting thing about um, Lyle Taylor is he's struggled since he came back from his injury. And, yeah. um, you know, I think this has probably given him a lift. And, you know, he, the results of it, whew, he was exceptional. Uh, yeah. He was playing like he did at the start of the season. Um, Lee Bowie, I, I thought, showed his real... We've talked about his tactical nous and how clever he is as a... For someone, you know, for such a young manager, tactically, he's very, very good. Um, his substitutions changed the game. Um, they put, you know, they put the game to bed. Uh his tactics were very good. I feel for, for Luton because they had their moments, but they just couldn't quite uh, get it. Uh, Johnny Wish said, best football podcast out there, bar none. And he also says, talk sport, GMS. I don't know who GMS is. Uh, talk sport, Sky, BBC will be coming for you because this is the best championship show out I, there. I agree. I agree, Johnny. I agree too. But maybe I'm biased. Interesting uh, comment there from Gazsai about um, he says he says that uh, West Ham were close to signing Lyle Taylor in January, which if he was fit, he would have been a really good signing because obviously well, injuries. If you look, they signed Jared Bowen, didn't they? So yeah, maybe injuries you know, would, injuries injuries would have someone. been a, injuries would have been a factor in that because to sign a for West Ham to sign a, a player who wasn't fit at the time would have been a, a big risk, a risk. Because but also shows risk. that you know and maybe that's why he struggled because. He's kind of maybe had his head turned a little bit, or he knows there's yeah. Premier League team looking at him. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know but then also, say si, I'll, I'll, I'll throw another comment in then that uh, obviously West Ham signed Jarrod Bowen. They're looking at Lyle Taylor. Um, is that the, is that is that the way that the football club's going? Signing Championship players. Do you know what I mean? That is that is that, is that what they're looking at? Are they looking for? Do you know, I think more for... clubs more clubs should do it. Um, yeah, there's I, well, a lot I agree. Of quality championship players out there. I agree, but look at look at Cardiff signings last year. Look at Norwich signings this year. They've gone for the best of the championship, and it doesn't always work out. That sometimes no. you need you need a mix. You need a good blend. Yeah, good blend of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought Charlton looked back to where they were at the start of the season in this I game. I did say, um, I did. Yeah. I can't remember if it was this game, but there was a couple of dollar really piss poor penalties uh, in the championship this week real real that, bad penalties well, that was that was, oh. that was one of them that was one of them define handball side you know what I mean I, I've, I've said this I've had this argument in I had this argument in the pub on Saturday about 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 handball if it, it hits your hand it's handball that's not handball handball is, is is unnatural your arm being in an unnatural position you know what I mean if somebody's kicking the ball at you at 60 70 mile an hour how, how, how on earth can you get your body out of the way? If you turn your back yeah, on the ball, you can't, can you? your arm's going to be next to you or your arm's going to be fronting the ball. If the ball hits your hand, you can't get it out of the way. And if you do get it out of the way, you're going to put it above your head. That's when your hand and your arms are in an unnatural position. If your hands are by your side, 
it's not an unnatural position because that's how we all walk. We all walk with our hands by our side. So that's for me, that's the most natural position. And I'm just, I'm a little bit uneasy with that rule for me. But yeah, you know what I mean? because it's a bit of a ridiculous one. And there was a couple I'd, of penalties where where players just kind of brushed in between two defenders fell on the and floor, fell over. Yeah. Fell on the and floor, it's like yeah. the referees yeah. have got to be stronger. Yeah, um, I'm going to be doing a show on refereeing with their former Premier League referee, Keith Hackett, soon, um, which I'm really looking forward to. That's going to be interesting. Uh, so, guys, obviously, if you want me to, if there's anything in particular you want me to discuss with Keith, um, I haven't set, we, we haven't set like a date or anything at the moment, but he has said that he'll come on and do a show on it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so if there's anything in particular you want me to discuss with uh, Keith Hackett, or any particular referees and things like that. I just think the referees have got to be a bit stronger and a bit more, you know, make a decision, but make it a, like, realistic and logical decision, not like robots. Oh, it's hit his arms for his handball. No, yeah. if you can't get white, away. So. Yeah, football's yeah, it's got to be. Football's not black and white, is it, anymore? It's, uh, football's evolved now. It's, it's moved forward, so... Uh, Gaz says, I thought you were talking about VAR and AE, but AE, any other business. Did we forget to talk about VAR? Yeah, I think we did, mate, yeah. Uh, we'll do it at the end of the show when we do the yeah. question and answers, because we've got to have a rant about this weekend's VAR, because it was poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, guys, drop a vid- uh, drop a like on the video and uh, uh, some comments. Help us get the engagement up. Uh, next up, we've got Wigan. W- Wigan won, Millwall nil. What a result for Wigan this is. Oh, this fantastic. could really... Be a yeah. season changer for them. Yeah, well, massively, Sai. And, you know what I mean? You're, we're on about fine margins. We're on about um, decisions going for you and going against you. And um, I thought Millwall started the game really well. They created a couple of early chances. And how they didn't get a penalty for the referee, you give a free kick on the line, and the line is a, is in the box. So there should have been a penalty. Um, and it's, it's just it's just those fine, fine margins and decisions. And it went for Wigan this week. It was a free kick just outside the box given by the referee. Um, Wallace put the put the free kick into the goalkeeper, straight in the goalkeeper. But then all of a sudden, for me, second half, Wigan came into the game and, and it was Pilkington for me. Pilkington started to pull the strings. He was getting on the ball. He was he was getting a few shots away. He was getting down the line, crossing things in. Jamal Lowe as well, causing all sorts of problems. Uh, Pilkington was unlucky not to score um, a deflected shot. Um, and then Wigan just continued to attack in droves. And um, Sean Hutchinson scored an own goal after great work by Jamal Lowe. But Kiefer Moore was just about to tap it in. So it's a... We spoke about on goal, side last week, didn't we? About um, defenders, you know, what yeah. I mean, stopping it. But if he leaves it, he looks stupid because Kiefer Moore's going to tap it in because in your own head you're trying to clear it. He's not trying to put it in his own goal, and I've got no issues with own goals. You're trying to do the right thing, and he had to do it because if he didn't do it, he would have looked stupid by letting it go because he knows who's behind him, and Kiefer Moore would have got his third goal in in two games, and um, and then all of a sudden, side a point last week at Cardiff, and then three points. Um, against Millwall. It's an absolutely fantastic week for, for Wigan Athletic and it, it shows that they're they're not dead and buried. You know what I mean? And they're giving themselves an opportunity to get out of it. And um obviously with, with Barnsley winning as well and Charlton winning as well and Stoke City winning as well, it, it drags four or five more teams into the uh, into the mile a little bit and uh, and is gonna cause uh, cause a few more supporters and a few more football clubs uh, a few sleepless nights over the over the course of the season, I think. Well I tell you what, mate, the Everywhere, like the the, the the automatic promotion race, the playoff race, the relegation race, there's no one uh, completely run away with anything. There's no one guaranteed, like, 
the th- there's four teams who could probably do automatics, but yeah. you don't know which one. There's no one team which is guaranteed out of those four. There's yeah. no team you know, other than those kind of four. There's no one running away, like, or falling away, should I say, in relegation. Like, they're all still within a squeak. It's uh, so, so interesting. And then you'll have, like, the teams at the bottom will win. And then they'll drag another team down and the teams just above will drop points and everyone's... Oh, it's just... Yeah. It's, it's, it's why it's the best league in the world. Uh, yeah. Just before we move away from Wigan Millwall, uh, Peaches uh, says that uh, Jed Wallace, best dead ball delivery in the championship. I concur. I've got, to, I've got, I've got to agree. Since, got uh, to agree. since Peter Whittenham, got the to great agree. man. Got to agree. His thing is also, he's got he's got the lot for me. He's got he's got pace as well. He's got delivery. Um, he can deliver set pieces. He's got an eye for goal. He, you know what? He's got... He's got an opportunity now to kick his career on and 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 push forward. So, good luck to him because he's uh, he's certainly set the championship on, on fire this season, and, and I'd be very surprised if he's still a championship player come uh, the end of the season. Yeah, uh, just mentioning Peter Whittenham. If anyone knows Peter Whittenham personally or has his phone number, uh, please tell him I would like him to come on a podcast and send him my way because uh, he is the great man. Would love to get the magic man on. I went for a comment off, uh, off Gaz because West Ham have just scored at Liverpool to equalise one all. Yeah, he's disappeared. Where is he? Uh, he must be watching the game. He must be watching the game. Yeah, probably. Uh, Pilko changed the game. And I agree. I'm assuming he means that. Andy Pilkington. You know, yeah, yeah Tremendous serving for Cardiff. Andy Pilkington as well. And, I uh, agree. Yeah, did very well. Mm. Um, si, okay, he, for, me, for, me, for me though, Sai, I went, went, sorry to uh, interrupt. He he yeah, looked no, he looked he looked like a cut above that he, he was causing causing so many problems. He just looked like the game was too easy for him. That he was that he looked like a Premiership player in a Championship side or a, or a Championship player in the yeah. League One side. He just looked a, he just looked a cut and above the rest of the players he's playing with. And you know, I mean, I know I know he went to play more football, and, and I fully respect footballers for doing that so uh, you know what I mean it's nice to see but you know what I mean he obviously doesn't want to get relegated and go in, in, into League One because it's, uh, it'd be a difficult one to get out of next year Oh yeah uh, you look at the, the size of the teams in the Championship League One like next year even like in League One and League Two you've got yeah. like teams like Salford and you've got teams like Portsmouth and Ipswich Um you know, there's massive, massive teams in League yeah. Two, League One. Championship next year could be insane. Yeah. And it's just getting harder and harder, which is why I'm so frustrated with the way Cardiff have approached this season because they've effectively written it off. Next year is going to be even harder. There's going to be more teams with more money. And they just bottled it and they just... Lack of organisation, but I can't go down that route yet, just yet again. Uh, so... Moving on to the other games, um, we got the first one: Brentford two, Blackburn two. Though this is uh, there was the penalty, one penalty in this game was just shocking, oh, disastrous idea, just disgusting, really. Um, and so, I watching the game, um, I thought Brentford were excellent. I thought the start of the game really well, but I fully expected that the players going forward, um, they create loads of chances, they have loads of shots, they keep possession. They were probably an all-round championship side doing really well, but then all of a sudden. Um, Armstrong scored a very good goal against him in the player. Um, he got himself a uh, a penalty uh, to make it two 0 uh, and then Ollie Watkins scored for me one of the goals of the season. I thought it was an absolute uh, an excellent goal, and I couldn't really see 
uh, Walton letting a goal in because I thought um, I thought he had another excellent display. He's been fantastic for me for about a month now. Um, and then all of a sudden, the decision what you just talked about there, the penalty came about for uh, Ben Rama, which which he put away. That he's gone through two defenders, and it was it was Johnson who's he's touched him at best. I he hasn't even put his arm on his shoulder. He's brushed past him, and the lad's gone down. If it's a dive, if he's unbalanced. Regardless what it is, if it's not a dive, then it's not a penalty. But it certainly there's no contact, and if that's if if there is VAR, it gets gets quashed straight away. And I wouldn't even say he gets a yellow card for diving because I just don't even see. I didn't even see it as a as a dive. I just saw he was unbalanced and he went he went down. But there was just no contact whatsoever, and I, just, I felt really sorry for Blackburn because they probably didn't deserve to get the three points. But at the same time, you're tuning up against probably the, the most informed side in, in the championship and, and you're giving them a good run for their money so that they, they deserve something from the game so I'm pleased they held on in the end because the longer the game went Brentford kept knocking on the door creating chances Ollie Watkins was superb leading the line really well and Ben Rahm is just a live wire and, and, and just gets shots away left right and centre and uh, I was really pleased with Tony Mowbray and his Blackburn side that they got a point in the end because for me the, especially after the penalty incident I think they deserved it yeah, they did. They did. Um, I thought Adam Armstrong was like, exceptional. Um, I thought Christian Walton was superb. Really, I, uh, I, and I tell you what, Blackburn, another team like much like uh, Birmingham, not far off, not far off at all from from really, uh, you know, pushing on uh, to that next level. I think they've been really good this year, Blackburn, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, uh, Ollie Watkins can't stop scoring, and that goal—what a finish that is! I tell you, you know, that was like Andy Campbell on Saturday. Ah, uh, so I, the thing is, also, you need big moments and big players, and and for me, he's um, he's a big player. He's showing how big he is, and and to put <laughs> to put a comment uh, to put a, 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 a finish like that at the time it was, it was it was excellent, you know. So fair play, fair play. I um. Just to say, Sophie, I hope that you know in about a few months' time, the baby cams will be wearing like a an Andy Campbell show baby grow while while uh, she's watching. But yeah. uh, we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll have um, on a live show. We'll have on a live show. So that'll go down well, won't it? Nah, absolutely. Maybe it'll be the one when I come up to Borough to see <laughs> yeah. uh, see the baby. Yeah. Um, so Richie says, give us your predictions for three going up, three going down. We'll do them at the end of the show with the where we do the question and answers. I'll uh, I'll save it, and we will do it. We won't forget because we always uh, get through all the questions. So yeah, guys, if you want any questions answered, send them in, and uh, we'll do them all in the question and answers segment. Um, anything else you wanted to say about uh, about that one, uh, the Blackburn game, mate? Uh, no, quick, I, I yeah. just. No, Ollie just, Watkins' I, I, goal made superb. Yeah, I just think uh, really good, really good, um, really good game for the championship. I think run about TV games, side si, in early games. You know what I mean? Sometimes we've said about them picking the wrong games, but at the minute they're, they're looking at the yeah, it's like they're looking at the good games and and, and really picking them because I thought Friday night's game was a good game as well. So yeah, yeah, um, and I actually I just thought it was uh, just a good advert for the championship. Yeah. Uh, I watched it. I did think at one point I thought Brentford looked a bit wobbly, uh, defensively. Uh, there was a cup. There was like a back pass where Adam Armstrong, um, the keeper saved it, um, but it was brought on by a really bad back pass. And I, yeah, I just think. But I, si, I'm, Brent, I, we, we, Brentford looks solid. 
we've given we've given Blackburn the, the plaudits all season. So you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're going to hurt teams. They've got players in their team yeah. going forward who, who are really going to hurt you. And and this is a Blackburn side who uh, who was missing um, Lewis Holtby, who was missing um, Duck. You know what I mean? So they're missing some excellent some some excellent players. You know what I mean? I, I, I looked at their at their, at their injury list. Their injury list is, is just ridiculous, ridiculous. But they've well, still those got... two you just mentioned who have been outstanding all season. They've been so good. If they can um, get so them for back, them to kick on with those players missing, is amazing. If they can get them back for the playoffs, if they can get in the playoffs and get those two, those two players back and fly in a fit, then they'll be a massive, massive worry for other teams. Yeah, you wouldn't want to play them, would you? Nope. Uh, you know, Lewis Holtby was a really, really coming into his own, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, next up, but Barnsley won. Who were Barnsley, by the way? Starting to put together those clean sheets and still scoring those goals. Uh, yeah. We said all season, if they can keep clean sheets, they'll be there. They'll be able to stay up. They're just getting it together. Yeah, um, embarrassing for me, Si. I, a Middlesbrough fan, ex Middlesbrough player. Um, no, no shots on goal. No shots on target. Um, a real, real, just, Rough. just, just, just disastrous display. Uh, the manager went for experience. He he brought in a couple of the the, the so called bigger names. Uh, Ravel Morrison back in the side, Asan Belonga back in the side, Ryan Shotton back in the side, George Friend back in the side. Um, the young players all dropped down to the bench or not in the squad. And, and I felt for them a little bit because they, they just lacked energy. They lacked ideas. Um, they lacked... Um, they're just, they're just lacking a bit of guidance in a minute and the games are coming thick and fast to play Leeds in the week. Um, Barnsley thoroughly, thoroughly deserved them, that three points and... And to be fair, the, the the result flattered Middlesbrough a little bit. It should have been more than one. And um, I thought the goal was outstanding by Chaplin. He was unlucky not to not to score the first one when he hit the crossbar and it came back and he he fired in the rebound. But um, I was impressed with Barnsley. So I really was. You know, I've seen a lot of highlights of Barnsley, but um, watching them live, that they had energy, they had pace, they created chances, and I was quite impressed with with them defensively. I know all season I've slagged them offside, but I said in pre-season how impressed and how I was looking forward about these clean sheets because they, they, they had the record number of clean sheets last season. So it's taken them um, 34 games to or 33 games to keep the clean sheets what they need. But if they can keep enough to, to, to for the rest of the season, then they've got an opportunity to, to stay up because they're scoring goals, they're creating chances, they're keeping clean sheets. And that can only be a recipe, recipe for success going forward because... They've given themselves an unbelievable chance of staying up because for me they were they were dead and buried, but now um, they've they given them a chance. A borough in danger of dragging themselves back into it, or do you think um, they've done enough? Well, you've just said their side; they've they've, they've 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 dragged themselves into it. You know what I mean? Because because the other teams a, are winning. Yeah, it's, it's the last four games for me, sir. The the Barnsley, the Luton, the Wigan, um, the Brentford. The Blackburn Rovers last five games. So, Barnsley game is always going to be a tough game because Barnsley had a good, come off a good result. For me, the Luton Town game. You beat Luton Town last week, I think, and I know it's only three points. And you could lose the rest of, rest of the games throughout the season, and you're in real trouble. But it, it's a six pointer. You know what I mean? And to lose two six pointers, one nil, both games have no shots on target, just becomes a little bit tedious, embarrassing, frustrating. Uh, our supporters aren't happy. And rightly so, you know what I mean. They're, they're, they're taking the frustrations out on um, on the manager, and it's 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 hard to listen to. It's hard to take. It's hard to to comprehend, really, because you know what I mean. He's trying something um, something new. The club's gone down the route of 
if it's a cheap option, if it's whatever option it was. But you know what I mean? I'd, I'd like him to keep his job to the end of the season. But at the same time, I need that football club in the championship because you said it earlier, Si, if they go in the League One and the likes of Portsmouth, the likes of Sunderland, the likes of whoever else is going to go down, Wigan might go down, Luton Town might go down, you've got some other teams coming into it, it's just going to be, it's going to be just as hard as a championship to get out of and sometimes once your team gets uh, embroiled in in relegation, it's sometimes really hard to, to get back out of it and you know what I mean, I really do fear um, for Middlesbrough at the minute, the way that the way that they're playing and the lack of confidence they are showing, because what they play Leeds United on Wednesday night live on TV, uh, Leeds are going into it really confident to keep the ball really well, to score goals, and they'll bring about four or five thousand fans down to the Riverside, and it'll be a well attended game. But forget about that; it's about results and results only for me at the weekend and uh, sorry, the midweek. And they've got to hope that they're not in a worse position come Wednesday night at, t- at midnight than they are currently. And that means that Huddersfield don't go ahead of them and um, and Wigan don't creep up and go level on points with them. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, I went. Gaz made, uh, Gaz made a good point. He said, Ravel Morrison needs a run of starts and at least 60 to 75 minutes with each one to find his feet because he hasn't played barely any football for a while. They so said it last week. Play him, mate. He's got said to play it last him. week. Said it last week, sir. You know what I mean? That. How on earth can Ravel Morrison create a chance to score a goal when he's when he's on the when he's on the bench? It's just absolutely impossible. Um, so for me, he has to play. Um, he played at the weekend. He came off you know, after an hour, an hour or so. If that's as much as he can do, then that's as much as he can do. But um, it's all about him, him, him playing football and 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 getting on that pitch and playing as many minutes as he can because Saturday wasn't good enough um, for Middlesbrough Football Club. And, and they need to create more chances. They need to score more goals. Uh, and the only way to do that is have your best players playing week in, week out. And if that's Ravel Morrison, then so be it. If you brought him in to play a game, Si, he's got to play. He's got to play. He can't yeah. score goals and create chances off the bench. No, and, you know, no, there's no doubt in he's got the, uh, you know, the ability. He's got to, they've got to, they've got to play him. He's almost so talented that, if they want him to get up to the level they want him to be at, they've just got to play him for an hour, yeah, for five, six games in a row, yeah, and totally then after right. the, you know, after he's up to speed, if he's not performing, then you drop him. But yeah. for the time being, he's got to play, got to start, got to yeah. give him an hour, yeah, and go from there, get him yeah. up to fitness. Yeah, I totally he's, agree. He's a game, you know, these are the types of players mm. which are game changers. But yeah, we, we rave about number tens. Um, and you know what I mean. On his days, he's, he's he's a match winner, and match winners need to play games and get be on the pitch. And it must be frustrating for him at the minute because you know what I mean. He's, he's left the Premier League side, and and he's in and out of a, of a Championship side. So he's going to lose heart. He's going to be a little bit annoyed, and he's going to get frustrated. And it's it's then going to show in his performances. And we can't afford that to happen at Middlesbrough because you know what I mean. They're not in a position where they can afford him to. To dip his toe in and out, and we need him to hit the hit the ground running straight away because the club's in a in not in a very good position at the minute. But that's up to that's up to Woodgate to be brave, isn't it? He's got to be yeah. brave and, and pick him. Um, yeah, but side, that's that's any manager for me. You pick your best side, you go with it, and say this is my best team. These are my best players. If you want to get in, then you force your way into it. But he's my number ten. He's going to play. He's my number nine. He's going to play. Let's get on with it and go forward. Fans back these players, and and you get respect that way, don't you? Sometimes. Yes, well, mate. Uh, Johnny says that Ravel Morrison could be your Janino. Yeah, well, 
present day. To be day. fair, say, I've, I've, said, I've said it all along. So when he was a young kid, he was, he was, he was, he was really, really good, and, and I was quite, quite pleased that Middlesbrough signed him. But it hasn't worked out so far, and we need to get a tune out of him. Someone needs to get a tune out of him. Middlesbrough have to get a tune out of him for, for this to work. Yep, spot on, mate. Uh, next up, Bristol City nil, West Brom three. What on earth uh, going on Bristol City? I could have so. a little rant about, well, not a rant, but I, I tell you what, Lee Johnson, mate. He cannot be far off getting the sack. He's a very lucky side. The money he spent, you know what I mean, and and massively underachieving. You know what I mean. He's men against boys at the weekend. Um, I thought for for long periods, I thought um, West Brom just absolutely dominated the game of football. I thought it was going to be a close one when I saw the fixtures and I seen Leeds were at home at Reading, Bristol City home to West Brom. I thought, oh, there we go. Bristol City will, will take something off West Brom and the gap will be closed a little bit. That the Brentford will close the gap. Forest will close the gap and. And it'll be it'll be it'll look a lot tighter. It'll give us something to talk about at the, at the, on on Monday night's show. And it was just uh, men against boys. And uh, I thought Robinson got a little bit of luck. Callum Robinson got a little bit of luck with his goal. He was one on one. He shot goalkeeper did it made a decent yeah. save. And then it hit him in the head and went in. But sometimes you earn your luck side because I thought the second goal was an awful awful um, decision by the goalkeeper. Uh, mistake by the goalkeeper Robson Khan, who got got that goal to turn up at half time and. Little bit disappointed with the the Sawyer's red card and part of me, part of me weird one that it, was. I looked, I looked at it in two looked at it in two things that um, obviously him and Patterson played together at Warsaw. Um, I don't know if there was history uh, or what, but um, he grabbed him by the throat. He didn't he didn't strike him. He didn't you know what I mean? I'm not, I've never seen anyone anyone get sent off sent off for that. But the referee saw it as a straight red card. He got a red card, um, and then for me the last goal was. Oh yes, it was a mistake. I know you're going to go on about it later on, but um, Robson Carnu, the finish was just out of this world. It was just, it just showed he's he's, he's full of confidence and um, and I just looked at I looked at the the the, the squad side from West Brom at the weekend. That you got Robinson on one way, you got Pereira on the other. You got Robson Carnu, um, your midfield, Livermore, Sawyer's running the midfield defensively. They look solid. Johnson, he's been promoted. He's he's, he's been there. He's wore the t-shirt. You've got Kyle Barkley on the bench. You've got Guziki on the bench. You've got Phillips on the bench. You've got Dean Garner wasn't playing. Charlie Austin on the bench didn't get on. You know, it just shows strength and depth that teams must look at that starting lineup and squad and think, what chance have we got when we're we're two 0 down or we're three 0 down against ten men? And you've got all these players on the bench who would make a difference for us. And all of a sudden, you you're fighting a losing battle. And um, you know, I mean, we said about West Brom that we fully expect them to go and kick on and push forward. And now I, I can't see anybody catching them. Um, I think what well, they've got a nine-point gap over over third place, and and for me, I expect West Brom to kick on even further now, and and uh, and probably push on to win the title. Now they've got they've got two home games in the league against Preston and Wigan, um, and for me, if they win them two, I, I see them pushing on further and further forward. How Robson Cardew, uh It's interesting. He's not another quickest, another best player, not the most technically gifted, but he um, he seems to hold everything together for West Brom. Yeah. Um, you got your Pereiras and your and your um, oh, what's the winger called? I forget his name. Um, Matty Phillips, isn't it? Um, Matty Phillips, yeah. But he seems to just he links up the play well. He's yeah. always in that six yard area between the posts to mop up any rebounds. His finishing is pretty good. Um, Bristol City have just completely. We said Sheffield Wednesday gone off a cliff. Bristol City even worse. And what makes it so bad with Bristol City? Bristol Bristol City spent a fortune and have a huge squad. You'll you'll see Lee 
uh, mine's gone blank. Um, you see the manager, like Lee Johnson, just reeling off a load of cliches about injuries and this and that. But the fact is, they've got a massive squad. They've yeah. spent a fortune. They've brought in players on loan as well. And they're just not any good. They're so, dreadful. So you don't see you don't see Tony Mowbray complain about injuries, do you? And he's lost his two best players. You don't see... Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough weren't complaining about losing British Ambalonga and, and, and losing other players. You know what I mean? Injuries are part and parcel of a season. You know what I mean? So using that as an excuse why you're not in the top... Um, the top six is just for me. It's just a it's a cowardly way out. You know what I mean? That Neil Harris is, is not he's not complaining about about the injury to Lee Tomlin. You know what I mean? he's not happy with it. He's telling no. everybody it is what it is. And you know what I mean? Yes, the teams are going to miss your best players, but end of the day, when you've got a squad like Bristol City, you've got and the money that they've spent, then they're, they're massively underachieving. You know what I mean? They're, they're still behind. Um, the the like sides who haven't really spent a lot of money. Um, you know what I mean? You look at Preston North End. You know what I mean? In sixth place. You know what I mean? They're three points ahead of them, and they fell off a little bit, Preston. You know what I mean? They had a really bad spell, and slowly and surely they're kicking back onto it. And Nottingham Forest above them as well. Blackburn just below, pushing the pressure on it. Swansea City, Cardiff City, Millwall. You know what I mean? Bristol City are going to be under a lot of pressure come uh, the end of the season to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and um, you know they Bristol City signed Naki Wells, and and when West Brom had uh, the lad sent off, is is two 0 and you're thinking right. Bristol City got to come really go for it now, yeah. and Ashley Williams just a lazy, lazy header back to yeah. the keeper, which gives Robson Carney the chance, and Bristol just their own worst enemy. Um, but it's down to the manager. The manager's got to take the blame, um, and I do believe if it was any other manager at any other club in the championship, he would be under a massive amount of pressure, if not already gone. Because their performances over the last month or two have been piss poor. Yeah, uh, just lastly on that, Johnny says, uh, Hal Robson Carnu to the Euros for Wales. Well, I mentioned it last week, so I didn't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't put him in because obviously the retirement and what, 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 what yeah, he we... said, you know what I mean? But if, if, if Ryan Giggs went up to him and said to him, listen, I want you to lead my, you know what I mean? He, he's not going to go as a squad player because I don't see the point in coming out of retirement if you're not going to. If you're not going to play, you know what I mean. If Ryan came out and said to um, to Hal that you're going to be my number nine, you're going to lead the line, that he'd, he'd do it tomorrow because you know what I mean. He's passionate, obviously, about his country, and he's he's obviously had a had an excellent tournament last time around. So I fully expect, you know what I mean, maybe someone to ask that question because why wouldn't you? You know what I mean. If he's playing that well and he's scoring goals and and do what he's doing for West Bromwich Albion, then surely he can uh, he can have a little like- uh, little double in the summer. Who else would you? Who else would Wales play up front? You know, Kiefer Moore, band number nine. Um, I mean, yeah, Kiefer Moore. Uh, you could play Bale up front. Or oh, Peaches just asked uh, Kiefer Moore or Hal Robson Carnu. Um, now that's an interesting one. So on current form in the championship, you'd go with Hal Robson Carnu, but Kiefer Moore has been outstanding for Wales yeah. when he's played for gigs. You know, recently, yeah. so it's it's a bit. Mm, I thought he did okay on Saturday as well against against Millwall, but I thought he was excellent against Cardiff. You know what I mean? So it's it's I don't know. You put if you put uh, you put Hal Robson Carnu in that Wigan side, will he score? Will he score the goals? What he's what he's scoring now? You know he's playing with better players. You know what I mean? If Kiefer Moore was playing in the better side, if Kiefer Moore was, yeah. was leading, was leading Cardiff's attack, 
would he score more goals? I, I believe so because I believe I believe what he's done for Wales, like you said, that he's playing with better players. He's getting um, more balls into him, better balls, better quality players in around him. That he's that he's going to raise his game a little bit, and I believe that he saw. But he's doing it in a in a lesser side, in a side which is scraping points together left, right, and centre. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up, Leeds won red in nil. Lucky Leeds, we'll call them this week. Lucky. Uh, I, 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 I look at how many chances they create. It's just it's ridiculous. And the amount of goals that they don't score, it's, it's, it's quite scary. Really. Crazy. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? The chances they miss are just disastrous. You know what I mean? It's, it's the easy ones they miss. And then they go and score one of the harder ones because the goal that they scored... Um, through Hernandez probably shouldn't have gone in. You know what I mean? They, they try to walk the ball in at times, and I and I just don't. I just don't understand it. But then the hardest shot of the probably the game when Hernandez just smashes the ball in the top corner. It's just it's got to be a, a world class goal at the minute for Leeds to to win a game. And then, and then all of a sudden they're hanging on. And Reading probably could have got and should have got something from the game. But on stats, on possession, on shots on goal, there's only one winner, and Leeds probably deserved it on the game. But um, but sometimes stats are irrelevant when, you know what I mean, you're only winning 1-0 and Redding are piling the pressure on and then your goalkeeper pulls out a save last couple of minutes to keep you in the game because if, if that goes in, that would have been a disastrous result for Leeds because he probably would have handled the title to West Brom. It would have been a great result, i.e. for um, the chasing pack because obviously Brentford lost lost points early doors, but with them hanging on site, it, it, it proves an even bigger result because obviously with, um, with Brentford... Dropping points and with Fulham dropping points on uh, Friday night, it just it just puts that little bit of daylight and a little bit of a gap in between because obviously both uh, Fulham and Brentford drawing over the weekend that and will Leeds win and it gives them an opportunity to um, just to have a little bit of a gap and then they need to go to Middlesbrough on Wednesday night and go and get another huge three points really. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. Um, the thing is, it wasn't just uh, you know it wasn't Paddy Bamford this week; it was everyone. Uh, it wasn't, yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just one player. Yeah, it was a, it was a mixture. But they just haven't got that, that personal side to go on, to go score. I, I don't. I just. I just don't expect anybody to go and score twenty goals for the rest of the season or fifteen goals for the rest of the season. It's just, you know what I mean. You they think... brought they brought Augustine in to go and lead the line. side. he's on the bench. He didn't get on. You know what I mean. He's 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 come in. Um, he's come in from Monaco. He's played twenty minutes against Nottingham Forest. He played fifteen minutes against Brentford. He played sixteen minutes against Leeds, and he didn't get on against Reading. If you're not, if you're gonna, go, you're gonna bring a player in of that caliber. You've got to play him. We've just said about Ravel Morrison. If he's gonna be your number nine moving forward, then just stick him in the team and give him an opportunity. Don't let him bed in. Yeah, how, how's he? How, how does he feel now? You know what I mean? He's he's watching the sides create chances, and he could be the man to to put those chances away. But he's not given the opportunity. Yeah, Leeds are massively dependent on their midfielders scoring goals because yeah. their strikers don't take the chances. Yeah, um, and by the way. Nekatia scored for Arsenal. I know, I've seen it. Couldn't get a game seen for it. couldn't get a game for Leeds. No, no. But know. You know, there you go. Oh, there you are. Uh, Gaz says um, that Glyph, great player. You know, yeah, he is. He's superb. He yeah, had, uh, he went off the boil a little bit over Christmas, but um, yeah. he just runs games. Quality yeah, players. He just, yeah, dominant. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see him in the Premier League one way or the other next year. Uh, next up, I think it was the only nil-nil of the weekend in the championship. Uh, Forest QPR nil-nil. Uh, yeah, I was, I was great I, deal I, well, going yeah, on I, in this. I, I couldn't believe it was nil-nil side because uh, I yeah. don't know if people have seen the, the disallowed goal and rules are rules. Um, but 
the ball's rolled, what, a couple of millimetres. It's the wind um, as well, isn't it? It's yeah, not even like he's thrown it down and yeah, like you know it's not I mean? his fault. He's not, trying to, he's not trying to get an advantage. It's just, you know what I mean? So a fair play to the linesman to, to notice that because nobody else in the ground even noticed it. Even the cameraman didn't notice it until later on. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, nothing really happened. Um, I thought not. Joe Lolly was good. Yeah, Nottingham Forest created a few chances. Joe Lolly was unlucky not to score right at the death, right at the end. Uh, QPR had a couple of long-range free kicks. Eze was... Uh, was sharp throughout, but you know what I mean. It's probably the most surprising result that it was nil nil side because Nottingham Forest yeah. always seem to score and QPR always score and let goals in. So you know what I mean. It's quite surprised that both both of those those game both of those teams didn't either score or let goals in because they've both been uh, renowned for it so far this season. Yeah, uh, Thiago Silva as well was pretty good uh, in midfield, scheming away. Uh, but yeah, nil nil. Uh, yeah. Next to Preston two. Hull City won. Um, yeah, uh, I think Preston obviously did this the hard way. Um, first half, the, they were probably the the, the Hull deserved their lead through Wilkes. Um, went one 0 ahead. Um, another another side who couldn't defend. Um, and then I think you this is one of those um, penalties what you were talking about as well. So um, obviously a couple of couple of nice substitutions for Preston. Um, Gallagher came on. So, uh, Gallagher came on. Sorry, and took a took an unbelievable penalty. I love his technique of penalty that he puts his foot through it and smashes it as, as hard as he can down the middle. And the goalkeeper the outside still, of his foot as well. Yeah, the keeper still stood there and didn't get anywhere near it. So fair play to him. Um, and then I thought the second goal by Brown was excellent as well. Great ball by Stockley and and Brown was there to, to head home and. Um, I thought Hull were decent. I thought, you know what I mean? They've, they've, they've probably surprised me over the last couple of weeks that, you know what I mean, that they drew four all last week and we said they were really worried about them and I thought they defended really well against a good Preston side uh, for long periods. But, you know what I mean? I think the, the penalty didn't help them and um, they made a few um, a few mistakes towards the end and it, it came back to cost them. But for, for, Brent, uh, for Preston's point of view, so I think it was a great result, well needed, great timing with... Fulham, Fulham, Brentford, and Nottingham Forest, and Bristol City, and Blackburn all dropping points. So it gives them an opportunity to to cement that playoff place a little bit. Yeah, indeed. Um, sorry, mate, I've just clicked off my list. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I thought um, Maddock Wells uh, obviously he scored a good goal for Hull. Yeah, he um, did. and I I really like him as a player. I think he's very very good. Uh, substitutions change the game, yeah. They do yeah. again, uh, brave, brave, brave calls, yeah. brave calls, and yeah. uh, you know, we'll talk about it. Um, penalty was absolute disgrace again, yeah. Rubbish, uh, rubbish, it's just soft, it. it's just soft, yeah. Soft, uh, soft decisions. You've got to be brave as a, as a referee, but I think just before that penalty site, I, there was a there was a there was a, a more blatant penalty which he didn't give, and it was, yeah, the third phase of play. And I believe he gave that because he didn't give the other one and he was just waiting for something to happen. And unfortunately that happens and it was so frustrating for your team. And, and I felt so sorry for Hull because if, you know what I mean, just fine margins again, just change games. And unfortunately they the, the couldn't see that little phase of play out and, and get the ball clear. And and, uh, and then uh, Preston were like a steam train in the end and it was only one, only one team going to win that game then. Indeed. Um, so, guys, there's just uh, the two games left, two South Wales teams uh, matches, and then uh, we're going to go for our two for twos and our ups, uh, uh, sorry, and our questions. So, if you have got any more questions, send them in the live chat on YouTube and Facebook. They all come up on uh, on our screens, and uh, I'll add them in. And we're also going to talk about VAR, which we forgot to talk about at the start. 
to finish off. And then we'll have the best segment in radio, podcast, and TV, the fake Geordie bingo lingo. So next up, Stoke City 2, Cardiff City nil. Take yeah. it away, my friend. Um, well, to be honest, I thought Cardiff started a little bit better. We've been, well, I've been very critical on the way that they start um, and the way that they started. But uh, I thought they were a little bit better, a little bit brighter out, out, out the blocks. But when um, when you give teams goals, then that's your that's your concern. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't a mistake by Callum Patterson. It was uh, he him and Powell were both wrestling in the box for for a set piece, and then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Powell misses it, hits hits Callum on the on the leg and and, and diverts in the goal and. You know what I mean, and I think after that, it was just a, it was a, a difficult one really to take because you know what I mean. It was it was a few a few half chances in between um, both both sides really, but it's fine margins. And when you go one 0 down against a side like Stoke, you know what I mean. Especially now they've got a a decent manager in place that can be very stubborn, and I don't think it helps uh, with the ex Swansea uh, connection and um, and Joe Allen getting a second goal and. You know what I mean, but I, I, I don't think Cardiff deserved anything from the game. And even Neil came out came out and said that they were second best all over the pitch. That they didn't deserve anything from the game, but they they need to learn. They need to learn fast. And you go into Stoke, you know it's going to be a fight. You know it's going to be a battle. There's history between the two football clubs. Um, you know what I mean. And they're desperate for points. And if they're desperate for points, you need to make sure that 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 you're fighting for every ball and, and your tactics are spot on. Everyone knows the jobs and. And straight away from set pieces side, that everybody does their job correctly. And you know, we've said that Cardiff are probably the biggest side in the championship, and but they're probably letting the most goals from set pieces. And it just doesn't, just doesn't add up, and doesn't it shouldn't happen. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, we keep talking about the same thing. And Cardiff needs to uh, need to get back to to basics because we spoke about uh, the two previous games against Luton and, and Huddersfield being positive results, but I think the last two we've dropped. Massive points, you know what I mean? Because Wigan, for me, was two points dropped. And, and Saturday, I probably would have been happy with a point. But, you know what I mean? The way that the Wigan game went, I think Cardiff needed all three to, to keep pushing forward and, and moving moving in the right direction. But it wasn't to be. Mate, uh, I don't even know where to start with Cardiff. They were very poor. It's down to the manager. He sets the, you know, he sets the tactics and the tempo. Yet again... Standing off, no pressing. I know you say they started relatively well, but I just think they were just generally very poor. No creativity without Tomlin. No. Shock yeah. horror. Yeah. Um, we got some of three of the best headers of the ball in our defensive ranks in the squad, probably even four in the whole league. Yeah, we yeah. can't defend set pieces. Jazz Richards has had an absolute nightmare for the Joe Allen goal. He's got turned inside out. He's got to yeah. get rid. Um, and you know, and when that ball's ricocheted and it's broken off the rebound, um, and it falls to Joe Allen eventually, you know, someone's got to just put their just go steaming through that and put their foot through it. Yeah. You know, whether a uh, Morrison or someone like this has just got to say, "That's my ball. No one's getting it," and smash it away, or the keeper's got to do it. You know, yeah. Alex Smithies has been very good. He made some good saves. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. But you know, someone's got to take charge, um, which is bizarre because. When you look at those defenders that Cardiff have got, on paper, you'd say there's a couple of leaders there. You know, your Morrisons, your Flints, your Nelsons. They're all quite vocal, big, strong centre-backs um, who take charge. But, yeah, I'm not impressed with, uh, you know, Cardiff had had, had had a bit of an uptick in form. Um, but this was back to the, the, 
the piss poor, as it were. Yeah, it's, it's, I think as I say, it's difficult to take because you know what I mean. After after some quite positive results, um, and then obviously you lose you lose your most influential player, and then you know what I mean. It just it, that's what that's what the, the the performance just just smelt of. It just smelt of desperation. It smelt of that we that who who's going to be our talisman now? Who's gonna who do we look up to? Who do we who do we who do we look for to when we've got the ball? And it was just so so depressing to watch and. You know what I mean? It was never going to be an easy game because the the the, the history goes back with Cardiff and Stoke. You know what I mean? Quite a yeah. long time, and um, and they're always going to be up for up for a game, up for a game to beat Cardiff City. They'll, they'll enjoy that more than uh, more than anybody. Yeah, I thought Joe, I thought Joe Allen had a really really good game. Um, I thought he was very good. Uh, I just have got massive problems with with just the way Cardiff set up their 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 intensity in games. Their attitude, and I'm not having the excuse that oh we've lost Tomlin, that's that's why we're not going to get in the playoffs. I'm not yeah. having that because, like I said at the you know right at the start of the show, that's down to poor preparation because Lee Tomlin was third choice uh, number ten attacking midfielder when the season started. So if he's third choice, why are we so dependent on him now? Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I just think well, the thing is all sight. And 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 this is my this has been our, our my concern when when we spoke about um, Cardiff in the Reading game that um, you get too um, caught up sometimes in, in 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 certain players and all all Reading seemed to do in that in that game in particular uh, was just mark Lee Tomlin out the game and, and Cardiff just lacked ideas and and you know what I mean and and sometimes that's how injuries come because players have to uh, try that a little bit harder or, you know what I mean, that, that you've got, that you, you're getting some bad tackles on certain individuals and, you know what I mean, and unfortunately, you know what I mean, he's, he's obviously going to miss now a big chunk of the, the season going forward and someone now has got to step up and, you know, obviously, I know Joe Rawls is, is on his way back hopefully and uh, I'm going to be back to full fitness as soon as possible and, you know what I mean, we need Joe to step up to the plate straight away and really hit the ground running because uh, we need somebody, we need the talisman from somebody and, Joe does have goals coming from midfield, and uh, we need that because we're not getting goals from many other places at the minute. Indeed, and then finally we had Swansea. I think it was. I've gone off. I'm putting all the questions into one place, so I'm doing that. To be fair, I thought Swansea started really well. Um, AU scored a. A typical AU goal, and he just he just seems to be in the right place at the right time and gets in, in behind and scored a very good goal. And and to be fair, they dominated the game for for long periods, especially in the first half, that the shot after shot after shot, but they didn't get that second goal. And, and sometimes it can come and bite on the backside. And um, um, Mooney equalised for Huddersfield. What cross shot? I I probably think it was probably a cross. Nobody got on the end of it, but it ended up in the far mm. corner. Um, and I thought then I thought Huddersfield that was going to be an unbelievable result. It was going to be an unbelievable result for Cardiff for for the top six. It was going to be an unbelievable result down the bottom end uh, because obviously all the other teams were winning, uh, but they just couldn't hold on. A couple of minutes later, on Fulton got the goal, and then uh, and then Garrick scored a, a very tidy finish after a Gallagher through ball took around the goalkeeper to finish off. And um, I, I can't work Swansea outside me because they they, they they play some unbelievable stuff at home. And then you know what I mean, like last week now that if if they'd have held on to that. Um, that result last week at Hull, then there would have been another two points. They obviously dropped another two points the week before against QPR, and they would have been sitting inside the playoffs very comfortably with a with a couple of, after a couple of bad results. But you know, what I mean, take nothing away from this result; it's a fantastic result against a for me a good side. And regardless whether the league tables don't lie, but 
Huddersfields are there for a reason, but you know what I mean. Huddersfield are in such a better position now than they were when we were talking after about 15, 16 yeah. games because they were they were dead. They were dead they and buried. Like they were gone, and they they've given themselves an unbelievable chance to get out of it, and I, and, I, and I do believe they will. But you know what I mean. They're always they're always going to get a, a tough game, and Swansea away is never going to be easy. You know what I mean. They're, they're unpredictable at the best of times, but you know what I mean. They're, when they're going forward, they're, they're excellent, but defensively, they they can still find little holes and gaps for for teams to capitalise, and and hopefully that can happen again. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, okay, that's the games, guys. Um, so, like, last chance now to send in some questions as we finish off. We're going to uh, give our two for twos now. Then we're going to answer the questions. Then we're going to talk VAR. And then uh, we'll do the fake Jordy Bingo Lingo to finish. Uh, okay, we've got for your first down, mate. Uh, my first down, I've gone for um, Daniel Bentley uh, for his fumble for his second goal. Um, I, I just thought it was just a uh, um against um who am I who have I gone for who have I gone for here which who have I gone for here sorry let me start that one again no no um, you're right uh, oh, sorry I've gone first down I've gone uh, referee decision in Luton versus Charlton game and the Wigan Wigan um Millwall game so Luton's goal got ruled out you know what I mean and the Millwall penalty and I just thought referees and linesmen need to be so. They need to be hundred percent because these decisions now can be relegation threatened or promotion threatened. I mean, every game at the minute seems like it's got something on the game, and you know, I think it's such a such big big decisions and big calls um, that these kind of decisions need to be. Um, they need to make sure that uh, that the, that they get them one hundred percent right. Yeah, spot on, mate. Um, so I've gone for my first down. I've gone for Ashley Williams. Uh, he was off, I thought, all game. wasn't very good. Um, and then just after West Brom had their players sent off and could have really tried to get back into the game, uh, he's tried to do like a fancy back header to the keeper from 20 yards yeah. from the wing. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? It was a dreadful decision, dreadfully executed. And then Hal Robson kind of, he's got a lot to do. Great finish. But, you know, Ashley Williams should not be taking that risk. At that period in the game, it's 2-0. There's 15 minutes to go. They've just had a player sent off. Don't take a risk. Yeah, you know he wasn't under pressure where he had to header it. No, he could have. He could have kicked he, it out of play. Could have kicked it out. Of he could have brought it down. Yeah, like how Robson Kanu was far enough away from him to, to for him to bring it down. It was really yeah. poor decision making. Yeah. Um, and as a Welsh fan, that's worrying. Um, yeah. Okay. And who got next, mate? Uh, I've got in the same game, so I've got Daniel Bentley, the goalkeeper uh, for Bristol City, for the second goal for Hal's first goal. Um, I just thought a fumble, you know what I mean? He just didn't look comfortable all afternoon, the goalkeeper. He made some half decent saves later on in the game, but you know what I mean? It, it's it's the pivotal goals in pivotal games, and that second goal is crucial. And just before half time, and uh, to fumble a corner um, and give give a player of his calibre an easy goal is is just criminal, really. Yeah, uh, so I've gone for my second one. It'd be no surprise. Um, I apologise to Bristol fans because it is another Bristol-related person. <laughs> um, it's not personal. It's just that they, these two th- people caught my eye. Uh, I've gone for Lee Johnson. Uh, as he's tactically, I think he's been dreadful recently, and I thought at weekend he was awful. Uh, trotting out the cliches uh, in defence of his awful management recently. And um, just his general attitude and demeanour, I find him to be a bit arrogant and a arrogant, bit yeah. thing and then like when you're performing the way bristol city are don't really think you need to have that arrogant uh attitude 
and uh, they were rubbish. And that's down, you know, the buck stops with the manager, I'm afraid. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, okay, who got for your first up? Uh, my first up, I've gone for uh, Captain Lyle Taylor. I thought he led by example. Um, two very good goals for different reasons. Um, to coolly calm, calmly slot his penalty away at one all, really under pressure. Um, the way that the game's gone, but you know what I mean. Credit for the manager giving the captain's armband, but he responded really well, led by example, and um, he will be the talisman, I believe, to uh, to keep them up just by his his performances and his goals alone, and hopefully he stays fit. Uh, his injuries are well behind him because I love watching him play, and uh, and hopefully there's more to come, and I can uh, and we can keep talking about him and raving about him. Yeah, so I've gone uh, for my first. That was a really good choice, by the way. That's, he was on my list, uh, my short list. Uh, my first one I've gone for is uh, Walton in goal for Blackburn. Uh, so he was absolutely outstanding. Um, my last few and I've got to say, got to say, Alex uh, Armstrong was, you know, he was there. He was on my list. Um, he scored two goals, could have had a hat-trick. He was outstanding also for Blackburn. But I just felt... Walton made a couple of saves, which were just fantastic. And he kept them in the game against West Brom. And they've ultimately, they've gone on to get a point against yeah. a very strong West Brom side. Yeah. Uh, so, well done, him. So got um, my second one, I've gone for Reese Burke for Hull City um, in the Hull-Preston game. And he made a clearance off the line. And I'm not really he's sure how he did world, it. It's it? just unbelievable how he's done it. He was... It shouldn't. It just defies logic, really, how he did it. But it was just absolutely fantastic, and the way that Hull were defending, and the way that the game was going, I just thought he deserved a mention because, you know, I mean, for me, it just showed that how much. I I, I wrote them off a few weeks ago and said that about the, that they've lost the best players going forward. But when you've got somebody like a heart of of Reesad on on Saturday and try and, and put his body on the line to clear that ball, I felt so sorry for him um, and the rest of the defenders with the, with the penalty because that changed the game a little bit. But he's Clearance alone uh, deserves a little mention. Um, yeah, I um, I've gone for Alex Neal and Lee Bowyer uh, for their decisive substitutions, which won their teams their games. Um, and I think you know you've got to be brave sometimes if you need goals. And like I think in the Lee Bowyer's game, he wasn't. It was I think it was two one. Yeah. So rather than making a defensive substitution, he's made an attacking substitution and won the game 3-1 and made that right. You know, he's not going all guns blazing, but he's been positive. And I think that sends a message to your players not to drop deep and, you know, soak up the pressure and just hold on for 2-1. Let's go and put the game to bed. Same with Alex Neal. Fantastic. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a few managers who couldn't take note of that. Like... um. You know, Cardiff and Borough, for instance, it, their substitutions are like clockwork. Yeah. Same substitutions at the same time every week. Yeah. And it's like, you know, be you, a bit more you, imaginative. You, you've got to be brave, Simon. You know what I mean? You've got to make these brave decisions because there's no point looking back in hindsight and saying, I wish I'd have done this, wish I'd have done this. You know what I mean? It's, it's, got, it's here and now. And, you know what I mean? They're making them brave calls on, on, on split decisions, split second decisions. And, you know, I mean, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But when they do, you, it looks like master strokes, and they did at the weekend for those two, especially. Yes, and the thing is, mate, how many times have we said like like Warnock and Harris and Woodgate they make the same substitutions like sixty minutes yeah. in? Yeah, well, we're on a, we're, for this person, it's... we did that. We, we said that about Bielsa. The Bielsa used to do it with uh, Paddy Bamford. Yeah, just bring him off, yeah. bring him off, bring him off. You know what I mean? So it's 
you know, the best the best man is in the league's done it. So it's it's a yes. Lacks imagination. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, okay, so that's the ups, that's the downs. Let's get into <laughs> some questions. Uh, you guys can send your questions every week to myself and Andy, uh, facebook.com slash acecastnation. Please follow while you're there. Or Twitter at acecast underscore nation, which is where we're most active in terms of conversation. Uh, and you can also email if you still use email, like some people do. You can email acenetworkcontact at gmail.com. And of course, you can drop some in the live chat as the show is going along. Um, if I did miss any questions, as because like there's quite a few live chats because I've got the live chat from YouTube and Facebook like merged. So if I've missed any questions, when I go through them now, like obviously quickly send them in. Or if you haven't seen them like now, then send them to me in the week and we'll do them next week, if that makes sense. Um, okay, so first of all, we had uh, Peter sent a question earlier on. Which said, "What was the biggest bollocking you ever had as a player, and why?" Uh, no, sorry, that wasn't Peaches. That was uh, that was JD who sent that over a text. What was the biggest bollocking you ever had as a player, and why? Ooh, biggest bollocking I've had as a player. Um, it probably well, yeah, it was it was probably doing something I shouldn't have been doing. Um, it was by Chris Wilder when I played for Halifax Town, so it was towards the end of my career. Um, I got sent off at uh, Burton Albion for uh, calling the ref a uh, cheating. See you next Tuesday. And um, <laughs> to be fair, it was it was a it was a, it was a red card. I, I I was one on one. Lad brought me down. Didn't even get a free kick. So I lost me me rag a little bit and, um, and your said, rag. said something I shouldn't have done. Um, got myself a red card. Um, obviously a three game suspension. The manager told me in the changing room after. Um, how much I'd let him down, the team down, the fans down, the family down, my friends down, everybody else down. He didn't say it that nicely because Chrissy Wilder didn't um, split hairs of graces. He did it the right way and I, I fully respected him for it. And I made sure that the next three games when I was watching from the stand that I planned my comeback um, in the correct manner and made sure that I kept that football club up because I owed him and everybody else because I'd, uh, I'd made that, that fundamental error a few weeks back. Got a bit of a fiery streak, mate. You haven't you? You got said. Did yeah. you get sent off for Cardiff for doing something similar? Uh, me and Willie got uh, me and Willie Boland got sent off at Crystal Palace for Willie was having a bit of a, a bit of a ding dong, and I got involved and I took a swing at Sean Derry and got a straight red. So yeah, yeah. 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 Was it more of a more of a more of a slap? You know, it's slapper. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, Ian said, uh, "Has the Cardiff City playoff bubble burst?" Uh, I think it, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. Um, I'll take something out of the ordinary for Cardiff to get in the playoffs for me. You're going to have to go on some run to cement that place because you can look at the league table, side and you can um, you can say that they're not many points behind. Obviously, which the, which the which they're not. It's only six points, and they've they've still got twelve games to go. But it's. There's a bigger picture than that for me. You know what I mean? You, it's the teams above them, uh, the teams in and around them. Are they in form? Have they got more to offer than Cardiff have got? For, for me, I think it's going to take a, a hell of an effort for them to cement a playoff place. I hope to do, but I can't. I just can't see it with with the teams in and around them at the minute. Yeah, the teams around them and the fact they've lost Tomlin 
I just can't yeah. see where the creativity is coming from. And like I had that rant at the start of the show on Everything's about Cardiff's gone... lack, lack of preparation and yeah. Everything's gone against him, Sign. Everything's gone against him. I even look at Derby in 13th, Sign, and see Derby are five, five points behind Cardiff. Derby at the minute, for me, have got more to offer going forward well, than, so than Cardiff. So Blackburn, you, you know what like I mean? You look so at there's... Blackburn, the way they're playing, compared to where Cardiff are playing going forward. Yeah. There's no no comparison, mate. Yeah, and 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 this is this is it, Sal. You know what I mean? We we love Cardiff, love Cardiff's the best, but we're honest as well, and we, you know what I mean? That, that I, I just can't say, I can't see it. You know what I mean? I love them, I love them too, and and I hope they do, but it's, for me, it's too much of a big ask. Yeah, well, the thing is, mate, it's what you get when you try and do it on the cheap, like they yep. did in the yep. summer and in January, and that lack yep. of or prep, that lack of preparation is going to ultimately yep. cost them. Yeah, totally unless agree. they do something special. Um, Richie Thomas asked earlier, uh, give us your th- prediction for three to go up and three to go down for the championship. Um, West Brom for me, Leeds for me. Um, and oh, I'm gonna, uh, I've got to stick with Fulham because I said that. So I'll go for the top three now. So um, it'll be Fulham in the playoffs, Leeds second, and West Brom will win the title for me. Uh, what about you, Sai? Before I go for the three down, uh, I got West Brom. And Leeds going up automatic. I think West Brom will win the title. And I think that the playoff winners will be... I'm going to go for something really outrageous. And I think that the playoff winners will be Derby County. Derby County. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I'm going to do something with the... The reason I say that, sorry, is because they're the ones who've got to run. When I look at all those teams now, uh, from, say, third down to 14th, they're the ones who are on a run, um, yeah. and they've got the quality. You know, where Rooney's on fire. If Rooney stays fit, I could see them being the ones who just sneak in the playoffs on the last day, and then go and win it. Yeah, for, um, for will bottle it. By the way, well, well, on me, um, me three downs. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with me more with me heart than me head. Um, I'm gonna go Luton Town. I'm gonna go Wigan, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go left field here. I'm gonna go Hull City, and I'm gonna go Hull City. Because of the fixtures that are coming up, they've got Barnsley uh, in a couple of days' time. Then they play Leeds, then they play Stoke, then they play Charlton, then they play Birmingham, and then they play Middlesbrough. So their next six games will define their season. If they don't get enough points in the next six games, they'll go down. Because after that, they play um, the majority of the teams above them. And then they finish last game of the season at Cardiff City. And if Cardiff are in and around it, or the whole need to go to Cardiff to go and get something... It's not the kind of place you want to go and try and get a result because Cardiff won't. Cardiff will enjoy putting teams down because teams have enjoyed doing it to Cardiff and killing games. So, you know what I mean? Cardiff, it's not a nice place. It won't be a nice place for Hull to go. So, I'm going to go Hull for my, my third one. Yeah, I've got Luton going down. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Barnsley will stay up. Yeah. And I, I want Barnsley to stay up because they've played for such great football. But I also think Wigan are going to stay up. Um. I've just seen seen something in Wigan in the last couple of weeks. They've got a bit of fight in them. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go Luton. I'm going to go Stoke. And I'm going to go Huddersfield because Ooh. I don't want to say Borough. But yeah, I, I think know. Borough... I thought, you, just, I thought I think, you were going to say it then. I think Borough, I've got to say, a bang in trouble, mate. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I because I look at the three well. teams below them and I see that they're all playing quite well. Yeah. Uh, well, Borough, there's, there's, not so much. 
There's teams I, I wouldn't want to go down. I think Stoke won't go down because they've got too much. I don't want Huddersfield to go down because I think the Cowley, the Cowley brothers have done great. Yeah. Obviously, the reasons behind Middlesbrough, I don't want to go down. And, and then we're. Oh, I and don't want it. I don't want those teams to go down. And then I'm looking, I'm looking above me and I'm thinking, just, you've got to win seven. You've got to win eight and eight to ten. 10 points to, to drag them drag them into it and they've got to lose all them games so it's going to be a big ask for some of them to, to get out of it I said about a month ago maybe a bit longer that my long shot because I think someone asked us to do like a long shot bet for the end of the season and I said when Blackburn were about 14th that they would get in the playoffs and I stick by that I think they still could um, another long shot for the playoffs very very long shot but we're like we both said about Derby uh, Birmingham, I yeah. think if if they yeah. can get those young players to be a bit consistent in this last chunk of the season, um, they're playing well. They got some great players. Wouldn't be surprised to see them up there, even if they don't quite yeah. make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Richie, who asked the question, said he thinks it's going to be Luton, Barnsley, and Hull. Luton's Barnsley, and Hull. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, yeah. Um, Peaches asks. Have you ever witnessed bullying in changing room or on the training pitch? Uh, bullying. Um, I wouldn't call it bullying. I'd probably call it making what the what I'm going to tell you now. Story I'm going to tell you now is probably it's probably like making a man out of you. So it's like it's, it, you probably people might say it, call it say it as bullying. So uh, when I was a young YTS, so 16 years old, just left school. Uh, every Christmas we had to uh, we had to sing a song in front of the uh, first team, uh, and the worst. So you stand in the middle of uh, the changing room floor. Um, with a pretend microphone in your hand, um, 30, 40 first team lads would, would sit around you, throwing things at you and shouting things at you while you're trying to sing a song. Uh, and then the worst singer uh, would have to run around the, the 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 football pitch outside with everybody watching you, and you'd have to do it naked. So it wouldn't be it's it's like it's like a it's like a form of it's a, a form of bullying, but it's a form of like making a man out of you as well. Like you've got to yeah. make sure that yeah, you know what I mean. So, but I wouldn't say bullying no because. I think uh, I think sometimes things are there to test you, and I think people do these things to really try and make it's like make or break, and people yeah, do yeah. it because that's what it is. Fair enough. Um, and final question was, oh, I've lost it now. God damn it! Oh, who was the best uh, best reserve team player that you ever saw uh, play at like a club you made, but who didn't necessarily? Make the progression to the first team. Um, well, I'll, well, there's one who sticks out like a sore thumb because for me he was he was potentially going to be one of the best players I'd ever played with, and he never really he played the first team a couple of times, but it was Carlos Marinelli at Middlesbrough. Uh, I played with Carlos. He came over from Argentina at 18, and I've never played with a young player like him in all my life. It was like playing with like a mini Messi or a little Janino that he, that every time I played a game of Bolton Wanderers away at the Reebok stadium and everywhere I ran, his ball went to me. I've never, I've never played a game like it that he set me up five times. I scored five goals that night. And if it wasn't for him, I probably would have had a poor game, but he set all my five goals up. He was just an absolute world beater. And, uh, and I've just, it never really made the grade in England and went back to Argentina and never really happened for him. Yeah, fair enough. Good shout. Uh, so that's questions, guys. You can always send questions in for us in the live chat or the the different ways that I mentioned. Uh, during any other business earlier, we had uh, said before the show we were going to talk about VAR because uh, there's obviously it's gone off again this weekend. Uh, so Andy, I'll let you take that away, mate. 
I just don't like it, Si. I just don't like the way. I just don't like the way it's used. I don't like. Uh, it's just a terminology. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's right and what's wrong anymore. Even even pundits and you know what I mean. Richard Keys is obviously a hater. I follow him on Twitter and some of the things that he comes out with. I just some of the decisions, Si. It's 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 the fine margins decisions and it's the. I watched the Chelsea game and um, it was it was it was a Giroud's goal and and and. They celebrate the goal, and then VAR look at the goal, and then nobody celebrates the goal properly. And I just that, that that's the biggest thing for me that that he's Frank Lampard celebrate the goal twice, and and then and then watching the same game, I seen a tackle by uh, was it Harry Winks right in the touchline yeah. in front of um, in front of Frank Lampard and Jose Mourinho, and how Harry Winks only got a yellow card for that it was a leg breaking tackle, and I saw it in live play, and I called it a red card straight away. VAR watched it, or must have watched it for about three minutes, and then they came back with nothing. Came back with a yellow card. If that's a yellow card, then I don't know what's a red card. It was a leg breaking horror tackle. I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but you make a mistake, you live and die by the sword. And you know what I mean? For me, I just thought it was a disgusting. Who's who's making that decision, side? Because if I if I was VAR, I would have sent him off. So, but you're asking one person's opinion. And that one person's opinion, who sat in the studio, I would rather the referee gone to the gone to the side of the pitch and watch that again, so he can make his own mind up. And if he thought it was a red card, make that decision yourself. Don't rely on somebody else. If he didn't think it was, then at least you've watched it and you've made the decision yourself. I just think at the minute, he there might as well be a robot or a dog on the pitch refereeing the game and just letting somebody else do it because it's just a joke, an absolute joke. I just don't understand it. Well, the thing is, the one. Uh... The referees in the Premier League are not using the bloody um, system correctly. They're not no. using the system how they're supposed to use it, which is infuriating in itself. They are supposed to go to the side and look at the screen if they think they've missed something or they they think that, you know, there's something they need to look at from a different angle. And they don't do it ever. No, no, no. Um, I think, I can't remember who said it. Someone in the live chat said earlier, VAR can go in the bin. Um, absolutely can get it Bang in the right. bin. Bang right. Just, it doesn't get it. it get just, rid of it. It just it's sad. We, we've we, we've tried to like to run before we can walk. We've gone from goal line technology. Football is is evolved so much. It's just scary, and it's just scaring. Um, it's just scaring everybody. Really, it's not. It's just not improving the game, and it's not pushing the game forward. And you know, it's holding everything back. And it'll be interesting if. Um, if teams, clubs, managers, players vote it's in or out at the end of the season. Yeah, I think um there's too many chance there's too many decisions which are getting wrong as well, which is it is incredible to me in itself that you can have video refereeing and still get the decision wrong. But yeah. it's these handballs which are doing my head in. Um because I don't like a side. Are you it just hits to? the arm and they cancel the goal and it's like, well, are you supposed to? Are you supposed to have your hands behind your back? Are you supposed to tie your hands behind? It just doesn't make sense to me. Just, just, just don't do it. You know what I mean? It, well, it says it all there. So, UEFA threatening to withdraw it from England if they don't start using it properly. Well, teach us how to use it properly. Then teach somebody well, how to use it properly. That's the thing. Keith so, Hackett said on uh, said that the referees at the start of the season they were all taught from all over Europe how to use it properly. The Premier League is the only league in Europe not using it properly. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, what are you doing? Uh, just mm. to say, yeah, Gaz and Kelly tweeted a message earlier just saying uh, West Ham are winning 2-1. West Ham are winning 2-1. I nearly fell off my chair. Get in there. 
Come on. One of the hammers. Damn. Um, right then. Yeah, VAR in the bin. That's yeah. the, if I had a red red button. Yeah. Game over. Pile of crap. As my favorite, favorite saying, piss poor. I've had enough of it. And I'm fed up of talking about it. So I decided I'm gonna do a show with Keith Hackett on it, which makes no sense. But I'm fed up of me and you having to waste time talking about it when yeah. we could be talking about various other things. Yeah. But you've got to address it because it's constantly yeah. like the biggest story of the weekend. It's affecting okay. the games, it's affecting it's affecting football. So yeah. I hate the like the fans are celebrating a goal and then it's taken off them and then the players don't know whether to celebrate or not, and then it just removes the emotion from scoring a goal. Like, can you imagine that goal versus uh, QPR in the Millennium Stadium to send Cardiff up? And it's like, can you imagine if you'd had to score that goal, but then you had to stop, not run to the corner and get mobbed by your teammate because you had to check if it was offside? That would completely remove the 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 like the joy of it and the the, yeah. the emotion of it. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've said all alongside haters. I would really hate it because you know it, 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 there's no emotion now. You're not celebrating games, and you know it's just. Like, Graham's one of our lads at over forties, so Graham plays up front with us. And yeah, to be fair, Graham's a big Borough fan, and that's just it's, it says it all. It shows how worried people are, because like, people are worried about it. And right, yeah, so. I am. Um, I like I said when I was picking my three, I worry for him because. Wigan have showed a bit of fight recently. Barnsley are on fire. Huddersfield have been very good since the Cowleys took over. So that's three teams there who were yeah. kind of getting into form. Mm. At, the right, at, the right only, at the right time yeah, as well. I think your biggest hope for, for Borough is you've got Charlton and Charlton have started winning again. You're, I mean, your biggest hope for Borough, it could be that Reading and Hull get dragged into it um, yeah. because both of them a bang yeah. out of form and obviously all have lost their two best players so yeah. you could be getting lucky in that they could get dragged worse than you um richie says it's vars ruined football even the officials don't and not using it properly or just use it if it's a goal or not and ball over the line etc i am um, i just had the i've had enough yeah yeah and uh just to finish uh just uh kelly says that was one of the best goals for Cardiff City. Ever. One of the, the best, the, the best, the best. Fact, even even better than Craig Bellamy's last minute winner versus Swansea. Yeah, one moment in Swansea. <laughs> um, okay, to finish off the show this week, I thank you all for joining, for saying hello, for sending questions, for sending comments. The the best way for us to grow is constant, like having loads and loads of comments and and engagement because they just builds the channel up and uh, helps us eventually get to some type, some kind of monetization, monetization. And I think that's right. Um, so we'll finish off with the soon to be award winning 10 second segment. That is the greatest thing on radio, TV or the Internet It's the fake Geordie bingo lingo where former Premier League and Championship striker, ex-Cardiff and Middlesbrough striker, Mr Andy Campbell, teaches this little Welshman something about his northern culture in preparation for my visit to the borough. Well, I've this week, Si, I've gone, uh, I've, gone for a, I've gone for a personal hero, but a hero of the area, and while we're on the Championship show, so it's, um, 
It's Middlesbrough chairman Steve Gibson, born and bred in Middlesbrough. For me, he's arguably the best chairman in in, in England. You know what I mean? He's helped the club rise from extinction. You know, in 1986, the club was going bust, and the, he bought the football club as a as I think it was a 19 or 20 year old man, and he's took the club above and beyond my expectation. Uh, and into Europe, and any football supporter in the land would agree with me how good he's done. And he, he's got a company called Bullcall, which is um, a haulage company, and he's he puts a million pound a month into this football club. And you know, I can't thank him enough for what he's done for for the area and the football club. And anyone else who's daft enough to put that kind of money into a football club deserves a deserves a medal instead of all the grief that the people get. And for me, Steve's a Steve's a legend, and and should be given that right in the area. Spot on, I agree with you. He's one of the best uh, football chairmen, let alone cha- championship chairman of uh, of all time. Um, and when you consider the amount of money he puts in on a monthly basis, that mm. you know that really shows you mm. just how much he loves the club because mm. you know he's not making a great deal of money from it. Um, no. Yeah, guys, thank you ever so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Obviously. I know it's a long one, but we have a great time doing it. We have a lot of fun chatting to you guys. Um, and like I've said a few times, thumbs up, share the videos, tell people, leave comments, even after like in the replay and stuff, just leave as many comments as you can. Even if it's just like great show, have a look, you know, next week, can you talk about this? We're always open to ideas for any other business where we talk about anything. So send them over, send questions send tweets tell your dog tell your mum tell your sister tell everyone okay ready yeah some great See? comments some great comments as well side by the way tonight so yeah very can't fault it can't yeah. fault it i love it yeah. um yeah guys thank you for listening thank you for watching i um i've had a blast again yeah, I, i'm too. almost i'm almost sad that it's over um, and like there's loads of people saying you know great comments great comments i don't want it to finish um and johnny johnny uh, wishbone just m- private messaged me and said don't forget you have to do the rider arms intro for your podcast <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what i'll make a deal with you okay because we've you like coming we've been doing it for two hours 20 minutes i really need a wee um not that i'm trying to get out of it at all and i'm not what i'm not doing is lining up the ending credits because I would never do that because, you know, you've asked me to do it, so I'm going to do it. I would never do that. Andy, do the Itala. Just did it there. Did I see it? I didn't see it. You'll have to do it again, I'm afraid. Yeah, I didn't there. Um, always, thank you for the support, the guys. Yeah. Thank you for the support. We love it. Tweet about it. Message about it. And also... If you really want to go that extra mile to support the channel and the podcast, if you want to buy some merch, the Andy Campbell Championship Show merch went up today. Teesprings.com slash stores, ace-podcastnation. Uh, ace and uh, for the next month, uh, my cut of that is going 100% to victims of flooding in the Rhonda Valleys. It's Andy Campbell! Thank you, guys.
Sports Social Podcast Network.